Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. That's the, this is going to be the whole show, just oh. Well, it might be nice to start with a, with a nice ohm. For those of you who don't know the show, this is not a good intro for new people because you're going to be like, what is this? And it's just that this is what it is. It's, it's three hours of Welcome to the podcast. This is me. I'm Mike Brancatelli. You're you. We established that. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, you don't know who I am. Maybe you do. If you do, hey, welcome back. If you don't, you will. Well, uh, got a great episode today with my good friend Danny Mazer. Uh, I love Danny. And uh, yeah, this is a fun one. And we did a we did two parts because the first part of the podcast we talked uh about some kind of more external political things and then we got more into sort of the personal the interpersonal the the inner world um and so i i cut it up into two parts we do talk about that stuff in this part but then we really get into it even more uh and that'll be available on Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank B R A N C and sign up for five dollars a month. You get bonus episodes, a lot of bonus episodes coming. Uh it used to be just one a week. We got more now. Um we have a private Discord chat. It's called the Inner Sanctum, Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat. People all around the world getting together, sharing trip reports, stories, links, articles, just chatting it up trying to develop a nice community here and uh would love to get uh some community zoom calls going which will also be for patrons as well plus there's things like stickers and t-shirts that are probably never going to come but i really want to do t-shirts and i'm still um i'm just behind on the eight ball man i need a team i need help i need people uh i've been doing this thing for four years now all by myself and finally the time has come where it's like okay i have to actually outsource here so if you or anybody you know is good at uh, editing podcasts, uh, social media, marketing type stuff, um, or just like general, I don't know what, what to call it, general you know, podcast, uh, like putting things together, links and, and things of that nature. If you think you can help and you want to help, uh, let me know, message me. Uh, best way to get in touch with me probably is mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. Uh, do that, but you could find me on all platforms and everything. Um, yeah, big shout out to the best sponsor in the world. Uh, Robert Patton, he, he, he is the founder, the owner of Sheath Underwear and um, just a, an amazing guy. He's got his own podcast called Robert Patton Global. I was just on it. Went down to the the sheath compound where they where they have the the secret silk and the the secret spices that are making the the amazing 
sheath underwear. I just got a flower of life pattern for sheath underwear. So good. So amazing. Uh, just really cool. The underwear is just really comfortable. It's like, why, why am I sponsoring underwear uh, on the show? Well, it's because it's not just because the underwear is comfortable and I love it. I love it and I wear it. That's part of it. But it's also the, the company. There's a, there's a real warmth and a depth and a care and compassion for what they make and what they do and what they create and what they're all about, their vision, their mission. Um, and, and Bobby is just like one of the coolest human beings on the planet and, and his brother Matt as well. And they've just been so generous and kind and, and open to creating and collaborating and supporting my show and other shows that, um, you know, are, are in, in the podcast realm, I guess. I don't know where I was going with that, but, but yeah, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's inspiring. As I said, on Bobby's podcast, it's inspiring to see what he's gone through and what he's dealt with and what he's created and uh, just love the I love their product. It's just really great. Um, so if you don't know about Sheath, they're super, super, super comfortable boxer brief underwear uh, that have dual pouch technology that uh, or I don't know if it's technology. Is it technology? <laughs> it's a it's a dual pouch system where you can, you know, get some comfort in the regions down there that tend to get uh suffocated a little bit and sweaty and hot and and just uncomfortable. So uh, it makes things comfortable. And the the fabric that they use is really comfortable. It's moisture wicking fabric. The designs, the pattern, the flower of life, like I mentioned, is really, really good. And it's like, I really love them. And it's this tricky thing. It's like, oh man, Mike Delic is selling out, man. He's fucking selling out. And it's not, it's not a sellout. It's a, it's just a, a sell, I guess. I'm just happy to to talk about them and recommend them, uh, and they're good. So if you want awesome, comfortable underwear, get the Flower of Life pattern. It's so cool. Um, they have all kinds of stuff. They even have stuff for women. My girlfriend got a couple things: sports bras, uh, booty shorts, t-shirts. I love their t-shirts too. They're so comfortable. Made of bamboo. What? I didn't even know that was possible. And like, isn't bamboo hard? How do they make? But I guess bam, like, yeah, it's like silk. It's it's like silk. So it's amazing. Go to sheathunderwear.com and put in the promo code Mikeadelic and you get 20% off. That's Mikeadelic, you get 20% off sheathunderwear.com. That's it. Okay, cool. Uh next one is um San Francisco Psychedelic Society. The San Francisco Psychedelic Society is selling psilocybin by the seashores with Sally and Seth from the San Francisco, say that 20 times fast, San Francisco Psychedelic Society, San Francisco Psychedelic Society. They're putting on a microdosing event. Check out the description, uh, the, the link in the description and, um, and check that out because it's going to be really cool. I love what the San Francisco Psychedelic Society is doing, what they're putting together. The, the, you know, again, it's like same thing with Sheath. You know, you have all these people out there that are, you know, doing things and making things, but it's really, you know, you you see the the entity, and it maybe sometimes looks good from the the outset, but really, when you dive in, you you find out the people behind the scenes. It's like, oh, that's why it's good because they got good people that are that are heading this thing up. Obviously, right? I mean, we all know that it's all these companies and institutions are made of people. Um, so they're really good people. And I love, I love to, to partner with good people. So check that link out. Their microdosing event is going to be major. And I'll talk more about that 
uh, uh, probably on like social media or something. Okay, if you love the show, you know what to do. Go to Apple Podcasts, click a five-star uh, rating, leave a review if you want. Um, just uh, really love and appreciate all the support. I love and appreciate all the people that sign up for Patreon. Uh, really trying to build community here. I think that that is the the next phase of this show is to have more of a community feel, a more of a participatory feel, more um, group discussions and, and things like that. So go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, get the second part of this episode, get all kinds of other good stuff, uh, goodies, and, and yeah, and leave a five-star review on Apple if you can. Also, just subscribe, you know, like the show, do all the things and tell people about it. We're, you know, I believe that I have uh, a good show here and, and, and you people, you know, do tell me that. And uh, it, it is challenging sometimes to figure out how do we spread the word more? You know, what, what do we do? And um, I don't necessarily want to focus on that so much. I just want to focus on the content. I want to focus on uh, providing a, an amazing listening experience uh, for you people. And, uh, so, and for everybody involved, I want to have good conversations. I want the guests to feel like they had a good conversation and I want you guys to feel the same way too. So, uh, if you enjoy it, just tell as many people as you can about it, spread it around, share it, you know, uh, clip little parts. Sometimes that's what I do when I listen to podcasts, I clip little parts of the podcast and put them up on social media and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, any help that you can do to spread the word much appreciated. and. That's about it. So Danny Mazur, for all of you who don't know, he was a guest on the podcast uh, last year, I believe. I don't know. It's been a while. But Danny's a, a great friend of mine. And uh, we're, 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 we're very similar in a lot of ways, but we're also very different. But I think that the, the podcast that we did together, the, the, the two parts of this podcast, really showcase how people with different views can, well, that I won't say people, I'll just say it really showcases how Danny and I can just have a great conversation and we don't agree on everything. And that's cool. There's, there's, there's more to uh, having relationships with people than just completely agreeing with everything, all their beliefs and all their views and everything like that. So uh, I really love the, the sort of acceptance and the, the seeing of each other's souls you know, that, that, that comes through and the, the humor and the play as well. Soul Stories is um, an amazing uh, organization here in Denver. They host conversations to facilitate personal healing, human connection, and social change. And it comes in the form of storytelling events, dialogue circles, and also a podcast. So check out the Soul Stories podcast as well. All the links will be in the show notes description. Uh, you can go to their website, soulstoriesdenver.com. And Danny is the founder and executive director of Soul Stories. He also gave a TED Talk that is available on YouTube at TEDx Boulder. He gave a TED Talk called Creating Connection Through Dialogue. It was really good. I saw it live. I was in the audience. It was great. Um, and, uh, you know, a big inspiration for Danny is Brene Brown. I have one of Brene's books sitting here and I have yet to crack it open, but I will. Uh, I've seen her, some of her talks and she is pretty great. And she says, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And I couldn't agree more. It's taken me a long time to really understand that, um, you know, sitting in, in the truth of what is opening up and being vulnerable to that. Uh, as many times as I have done that on the podcast, it's never easy. It's always challenging. Uh, and I just recorded a solo podcast that's pretty raw, open, and vulnerable. And uh, 
you know, it, it's it's people like Danny that helped me remember the power of that. Uh, and uh, I love this guy so much, and you will too. So without further ado, let's get in this conversation with my good pal, Danny Mazur from Soul Stories. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. I wish we had video for this because it'd just be funny. Like it's like just someone slowly tilting a mic. Yeah, we're we're in. Water. We're like, <laughs> hi, I'm. Uh, hey, welcome to Mikeadelic, and uh, I'm here with Danny Mazer, and uh, I can't get my back straight. We're <laughs> sitting in unconventional ways. Hey, this is unconventional ways with Danny Mazer. This is the podcast where we have our guests sit like corkscrews on chairs sideways. <laughs> okay. Well, I just want to make sure that you're comfortable, and you <laughs> like ninety three percent comfortable. Ninety three. Okay. So yeah. you're like, uh, yeah, the COVID survival rate. Got it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's my nickname, the COVID survival rate. Danny, the COVID <laughs> survival rate kid, Mazer. Oh man. So. So yeah, man. Thanks for uh, coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's been uh, about a year since we we podcasted together. Maybe two. What makes a podcast really? Because we don't. It's not like we have an agenda today. We don't really have uh, topics. I didn't pre-plan anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we always have great conversations. That's why we're friends. That's why we hang out. Mm-hmm. So it's like what what's the what. What happens now when we put the microphones on and why, why the fuck are like, who, you know, like, do you ever think about that? It's like when, when people tune in to listen to a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, I want to respond to your question with a question. Why is it even called podcast? Well, because, uh, the iPod. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Young and yeah, young, young like, boy. Yeah. I've been like. Damn. Yeah, yeah. That feels like an obvious one, actually. The iPod. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? It was like, whoa, this thing that holds like 2,000 songs, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, I don't know why. I'm feeling so self conscious right now. I feel like I'm, I'm going to grill you. I feel like I go on my own show and I'm just like ready to go. And now being in this seat, I'm like, well, take it. Take it away. Make it your show. 
All right. Welcome to the Soul Stories podcast featuring Mike Adelic in the Soul Stories podcast where we're going to interview Mike. So, Mike, tell me about yourself. Well, I grew up a poor black Jew. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, (laughs) we're we're going to move on to uh, our next topic, Mike. That's from uh, Steve Martin's movie from the, the 1970s, I think, called The Jerk. Oh, it's nice. just like a really silly comedy. He was, yeah, um, yeah. I've been watching. I've been watching old South Park episodes. Did you watch the new one? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, but people keep saying that to me, so I'm like, do I just have poor taste? No, I mean, I thought it was funny. I didn't. It's not like I didn't think it was funny, but I think comparatively speaking, the older South Park episodes had more some more like magic in it. Like, I don't know their, their critique on, on social issues was worked for me for a little bit. And then it just, it, it seems like that's all they do now. You know, I kind of miss the sort of contained South park world episodes where it's just like the kids and they're still kids. Like I watched an old one from season four or five the other day where they now butters gets his tooth. You get or Cartman gets $2 from the tooth fairy. So they, the kids are like freaking out because they think they're going to make a bunch of money by putting a bunch of teeth under the pillows and keep getting money. It's like, it's like stuff that you would have thought when you were a kid, it takes you back to that time. And the one where they they play they cosplay and like do Lord of the Rings and is that when Butters becomes a doctor or whatever? Yeah, do, uh, Professor Chaos. A professor Chaos. That, yeah. Uh, you guys, you you know where to play with me, well, Professor Chaos. Yeah, he, he turns he, on the hose. That was the one with the um, the ninjas. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still it's to me it's fun because it's uh. I don't know. It's just like these these kids who are like kind of crude and it's a cartoon and you remember stuff from when you were a kid, like how you thought and how you behaved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good critique. I should rewatch some of the older ones. Yeah, it's very like, it's very on the nose right now. Like yeah. everything is like, this is actually what's happening and now we're going to critique that and then that's the next plot line. And Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm, usu- I'm usually a game for clever social commentary and parody and satire and that kind of stuff. But sometimes I just want, just bring me back to like the, the contained sort of world, you know, like the, the world before everybody was connected and knew everything and everything was like, do you feel that way at all? Like, do you feel that, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the world of, of when you were younger and it just kind of felt like, hey, um, this is like my world, my community. And you didn't have this crazy sort of uh, always present sea connection. Of, of connection. And Yeah, just you yeah. can connect to anything at any time, know anything at any time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I often think about how bad I feel for the, for like high school kids now because I'm like, you have to, you're so involved in politics right now. Like, and I was learning about it in school and my dad had opinions and some of my friends had opinions, but it wasn't my reality. And now I feel like we're in a place where kids are just, they know everything They're They can access everything. And I don't know what that's like. I would love to talk to like a younger Gen Z person, but 
yeah, it'd be nice to go back. It'd be nice to have like knowing what the bigger cultural narratives are and not having that have to influence your own social circles all the time. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It's like the invasion of reality narratives. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the, the attack of mult of the multitude of realities. Yeah. Um, it was not like life was definitely, I, I was also younger. So let's not, you know, discount that as well. Cause when you're younger, you don't right, have this conception yeah. of, of the, uh, you just don't give a shit about a lot of this sort of socio-political geopolitical issues of the world and right. things like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm exhausted. That's why I'm like, I'm watching, I'm listening to podcasts like come town and I'm, (laughs) I'm I'm just looking at, I'm just listening to like really the complete opposite of anything that's like intellectually stimulating. Yeah. I find that too. And that's what I was telling you about listening. Pardon my take. I don't even really watch sports, but like I actually am watching sports because of this podcast now. Wait, you know, I thought you were a sports guy. I am You're a basketball a, guy. I'm a sports guy, but like I don't consume a lot of the the stuff, you know, like the the sports center and watching the games. Right, and, right, yeah. But I have been watching sports more. Anyways, I think yeah, I think I just I feel tired too. Like it's it's rough. Yeah, do you ever feel like you have a pressure to perform a certain kind of social responsibility in certain areas. Like I, I, for example, I remember, um, you know, someone commented on the podcast, like that I wasn't having enough people of color and female guests and and things like that. And my first reaction was like, I don't know. I mean, it's just like I do the show and whoever I want to talk to, I just talk to. And I never thought about the value of including a diversity of voice. Like I didn't, th- I just didn't think about that. It wasn't at the top of my mind, but then I also thought like, well, I don't want to aug, I don't want to change the show. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's like a certain kind yeah. of responsibility. If you have a platform or you feel that you need to make a contribution in some kind of way. Well, you also don't like with the diversity question, you also don't want to objectify the diversity. Yeah. You know? Right. Where it's like, well, that person... On today's episode, <laughs> black guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, today's episode, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about being a woman. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's not, yeah, that's not the, that's not the, that's not what you want, but I completely, 100% support the idea of inclusivity because, yeah. to me, it just makes sense. If you hear, if people don't, People aren't impacted unless they hear and see somebody that resonates with them totally. and their stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's like the whole like white guy privilege is like, it's so real because it's like, Jesus, we can turn anything on and see a white guy in every like facet of society, you know, right. even like female specific roles. If we're talking about old gender roles, you can just find white guys and it's, you know, I don't know what it's like not to have that experience, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Count that one for me, listeners. Do you, do you feel that, because, like, does it really matter that much, though? Because, like, we, 
see superhero movies and comic books and things like that. And, you know, for example, I know uh, a friend of mine who's black. Uh, he's a big comic book guy and he uh, like loves Wolverine. It's like his favorite character. Uh-huh. You know? But Wolverine's a, a white guy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, and, and also women who are fans of, um, venturing into very shaky territory uh women who are that's your listener warning yeah well i'm just like you know i'm an idiot yeah. i'm just trying to explore I mean, we're just, ideas we're just jamming but but like women who are fans of say like the old star wars right like there's uh-huh. or, or something like that and it's like we we can like I, i'm a fan of certain female characters and things like that yeah, yeah. you know and and just if something's cool, I resonate with it. It doesn't really matter to me. But then again, there's also the added benefit of like having somebody that really that you see yourself in that person as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I think it's a I think it's a line. I think it's totally like and that's why I think it's irritating when people completely discount it and it's irritating when people only focus on it. Yeah. Because it, I I find it like a balance. Yeah, like, balance. Yeah, Miles Morales, the new like Black Spider Man, is a great example of like a well done, diverse character that like I love that. Miles Morales is dope. Like I yeah. fucking love Miles Morales, and like, but just being like, I don't know, I don't know comics that well, but like being like She Hulk and She Thor, it's like okay, well, do we need to do that? I don't know. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Like. It almost feels like lazy, kind yeah, of. It's, it's like, yeah, here's your female character. Here's your female representation. It's like, no, give us a fucking cool story. Right. And we'll, and we'll be down. We'll buy in. Right. Like, it doesn't fucking matter what it is. Right. Like, yeah. You know what I always found funny? It was like how people would uh, complain about, like, how do they have these white guy actors in these movies that are supposed to be representing people like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was in the Prince of Persia uh-huh. and he played like the head guy. And in one, in one frame of mind, I'm like, yeah, they should get somebody who's like a Persian actor. Yeah. They yeah. should get someone in the, in the vicinity of that area. Right. right. Um, Okay, I understand it's acting, and the point of acting is to pretend to be someone else. That's true, uh-huh. but it also looks goofy as fuck when they're like, you know, like like Richard Gere is like, you know, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the? Uh, do you watch Avatar: The Last Airbender? I'm, it's in my queue. Yeah, people have told me I have to watch it. Yeah. Do you, have you ever heard of uh-huh. the yeah. movie mm-hmm. by M. Night Shyamalan? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. He he like all of the tribes people are Asian, but like the leaders of the tribes people are white, and it's just like it's one of those things you just look at and you're like, oh my god, like how could you be this idiotic? Yeah. Like when you're casting shit. Yeah. Like just if you're gonna do that, just make everybody white. Like, <laughs> don't be like this Asian kid is a white kid with a bunch of Asian people. You know, it's like what the f-? you know I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh, actually, this is a this is a Paul Mooney joke. Uh, joke. Now that yeah. I'm remembering correctly, do you know who Paul Mooney is? Uh, I know the name, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, black comedian. He was on the Chappelle Show. Uh, and he had these hilarious segments, and uh, I can't say them, but uh, but go Google Paul Mooney because it's fucking hilarious. The the things he was like, 
one of them was the last samurai starring tom uh starring tom cruise are you kidding me and then he like <laughs> goes off and makes all these other comparisons to things but yeah it is it is uh i think when it when it engulfs your entire reality and it becomes your identity it's it's uh we have a problem with balance I think, right? Like, yeah. it, it seems like that to people me. People don't, I mean, not people don't like balance. People like balance, but like media narratives don't like balance, you know? Right. Cause it's not sexy. It doesn't cause you to click. We're also like in an age where everyone has a fucking podcast, you know? Everyone has like, uh, uh, you need to take that? Nope. Um, everyone has like a, a platform and, I feel like Tim Dillon was saying this on Joe Rogan that like the only way to get people to like listen is to like be kind of evocative and say some crazy shit. Right. And that's how you get listeners. Yeah. 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 And so then now that we're in like the entertainment industry politics world, it's like everything has to be so intense. Right. Sensationalized. I dream of a world where I can call politics boring. Right. Remember when we used to say politics was boring? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was our. That's what we said when we were kids. Yeah, like yeah. nobody liked politics because it was boring as hell. And that politics should be boring. Like we tried it. We tried social media politics. We tried it, and let's just say it wasn't a great experiment. And let's move back to boring. Let's let's get lawyers. Let's get people who study law, and let's put them. Let's not get like outsiders who are on the street yelling into the sky and like. <laughs> I love this guy's point. You know, I mean, that's an extreme, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So you were telling me before the podcast that you just have hate in your heart for, (laughs) uh, people that are Antarctican born in Antarctica. You just don't want them here. And yeah, I'm glad you brought, I'm trying to sensationalize this. Hot take. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get them in hot water. Controversy. Uh, Those PhD researchers who spent their whole lives studying ice. Yeah. Give them the fuck out of here. Fuck them. Fuck them. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Like I, all right. So I sort of disagree. I think politics should be more engaging, should be more sane, and should and should have more of a normal feel, and be represented not just by lawyers, because lawyers, in my opinion, are some of the worst human beings on the planet because <laughs> yeah, all they do is manipulate language to be like well actually uh technically you weren't actually sleeping when that events happened have you, you had personal conversations with like people in law yes they do that i know i've totally had that experience where like they're the first person to like screenshot a previous message yeah and be like, no, 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 this is exactly what I was, I was like, okay, all right, well, I guess law is happening in our personal text messages. Right, so it's like if you, yeah, if someone hit you, you know, with their car like, while you're riding your bike and you're like in court, it's like something, you know, be like, well, it, it wasn't, he didn't actually hit him. <laughs> See, what happened was the car slid out of control. Now, are we supposed to be responsible for all kinds of accidents and defamations of characters? This is the United States of America. If if people can't get away with an accident, you know, they'll just twist it and spin it. And Can you uh, tell me about that accent? Yeah, it's like a Southern lawyer. Okay. Now, nah, now, nah, your Sanders. honor now, uh, <laughs> I do a, I do declare some like Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, Foghorn Leghorn is a lawyer. Yeah, but yeah, I think it should be like, I think it's if we're gonna have this system that we have, let's dra- let's nominate people 
that are in diverse areas. So you have uh-huh. like yeah. you have like a, a, a gym teacher and like a scientist. Maybe not a gym teacher. Why I, not? I don't know. Does his life not have value? <laughs> are you against gym teachers? You heard, heard it here first. Danny Mazer, racist against gym teachers tonight on Hard. I'm saying like, what about English Current teachers affair. and social Dong. studies teachers? You know. Sure, just but like what I mean is just uh, okay, yeah. let's have an accurate representation of the population of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're gonna have this farce of a system, let's at least make it so we feel like we're getting fucked by people that we know and like. Yeah. So, so would you say burn the whole system down? I feel like yes. Okay. What does that mean? What do people mean when they say burn the whole system down? So I'm not like I don't really like what what I mean by it is is this as human beings, we enter into contracts, quote unquote, not real contracts, but like verbal agreements Mm -hmm. as to what we're going to do. I asked you if you wanted to come by and do this podcast. You said, yeah, you did that. You run your soul stories events. You ask people to attend. They pay a price to come. Uh There's a certain kind of set of rules. People generally agree to those rules. If not, you're you're just like, okay, well, you're going to have to leave or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So we do a pretty good job of organizing ourselves, right? right? Um, Yet we have this sort of, delusion that we need this massive centralized bureaucracy to sort of represent us in mm-hmm. a way uh but they're not they're they're not representing us and everything like everything they do is just to stay in power and everything that they do is real i don't want to get away from the point the point is that they rely on on the means of force and coercion in order to get people to comply so if you don't do x then there's a fine for this there's a penalty for this there's jail time for this you can't if you eat mushrooms we're going to put you in a cage if you you know smoke a joint we're going to lock you up if you um jaywalk across the street we're going to harass you right so it's like all Mm -hmm. the problems that we have with police from police to education all those areas I think would be done way better in a in a in a in a voluntary way, not in a mandatory way where it's like you have to do these things. So many things that we do are are just so archaic, but we only do them because it's like tradition and it's like the way it's been done and things like that. You know? uh-huh. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. My yeah. main problem is the fact that there's a, a an organization that we call the government that we give special privileges to that uh-huh. we wouldn't afford anybody else or any other group. Yeah. And they, they are able to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish through the means of, of intimidation and threatening and force and violence and coercion. Yeah. It makes me think of what my close friend and uh, your friend, Chelsea says also, she says, hi. Yeah. Oh, cool. Hello, Chelsea. Um, it's a, it's like, who do you trust? You know, and clearly in that, like your, you know, what you just said, like you don't have trust for a centralized government because you're like, your perception of what they do is to hold power, strictly to hold power and like not having the interests of the people in the mind, in their minds when they make those decisions. You know what I mean? That tends to be a result of a lot of the people that are attracted to government. Yeah. 
you know, I think there has to be something kind of slightly wrong with you a little bit if you're attracted to the seat of the presidency, for example, you know, something like that. Yeah. Who wants that much power? Who, you know, um, but really my issue is with the incentive structure. I think human beings are motivated by incentives, right? It's like, why go to work? Well, because they're going to pay me money and then I can buy things. And, you know, we're motivated by what's in it for us. Yeah. You know, and in politics, it's... The, the incentive structure is perverse. It, it basically says that, like, we're, we know what's best and we're going to mandate it and everybody has to agree. And we're going to, you know, why should 318 million diverse people so have How to, many people are in the U.S.? Yeah. Damn. Ethnically, culturally, religiously, spiritually, ideologically, we're not all going to agree. No, clearly so, we don't. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, when you're if you're in a marriage and you're like this isn't working out, the best thing to do is get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you wind up going crazy and turning your kids into psychopaths and murderers and things like that, whatever. But it, a healthy and a healthy environment with healthy leaders that lead by example is definitely what we need and we just don't have that because this thing has grown too big. It's too out of control, and nobody deserves to have that much power and influence over the population. That's true. I just think of, I think of all the alternatives, and it's just like, I don't know if we could get it right as humans. Like I, I inherently don't trust a country this large to be able to pull that shit off. Like we'd have to be our own territories. Yeah, you know, that's like, I'm in favor of that. I think the idea of – I think it's interesting because the government uses unity and togetherness as uh, a way to cloak its, like, hegemonic control. Well, I'd say maybe not unity, but, like, more like anti, whatever you're against. When I Well, when I refer to the government, I mean the sort of – you know, if you see things like – you know, we're spreading democracy across the globe and we're uh, like, you know, we're the freest country and like we're the yeah, imperial yeah. that's what I mean. It's like the imperialistic view. Um we're we you know, we can't we just can't do it. Like plus it's it's boring when everybody's the same. We need you we need diversity, we need uniqueness, we need radical experimentation, you know, we need different kind we need like socialism to be taking place in Utah and like libertarianism in Colorado and you know, New Mexico, Texas, capitalism in Texas and in New Mexico, it's just like a fucking Mad Max, (laughs) you know, whatever, like that's going to happen. Those things are going to happen, but it's going to happen on such a smaller scale because right now what we have is uh, an empire of death and destruction that extracts resources across the globe and um, works with big corporations and people get fucked. We get fucked. We're capable of so much more, and we get totally fucked. Are we capable of so much more? Like, humans are capable of so much more. Yeah. Humans are capable of so much more, but, like, I don't know. Everything feels like such a double-edged sword. I mean, there's so many... Of course it's a double-edged sword. ...people growing up. Like, I work with kids who have been through trauma and abuse. I work with your kid who you're going to expect to be the next school shooter. And it's like... The amount of Do you guys like p- place bets on them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's got Henry? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's back talk. There's, there's. I've said some fucked up shit in the back back room a few times. I worked in a school for um, 
handicapped and mentally disabled children over mm-hmm. the summer. Yeah. And I came in there with like, and we'll get back to what you wanted to uh-huh. say. So hold that, remember yeah. it. But, but I, I remember coming in there and being so polite and so, you know, wow, like what a privilege to be here and these right. children. And then by, by like the third day, I realized that like all the teachers are like, you know, joking and laughing and saying like, you know, like not fuck that kid, but just, um, it was actually really beautiful because they're not treating them like, Oh, like these special, you know, like they're, they're just treating there's an equality that happens. And so like maybe a kid with like a, you know, speech impediment or something like that, there's a little bit of like a, a goofing around with that kid, then he understands and the teacher understands and there's this camaraderie yeah. and this bonding. But I, I didn't know that going in. And right. to see that, I was like, oh yeah, this is great because we all get to just treat each other like we're normal and we are, right. we are. Right, like if if that kid with a speech impediment says like a dickhead comment to a teacher, you know, you don't just like treat them like they're like, like fragile glass. Yeah. You're like, no, that was mean. Like you can't say that kind of thing. Right. Anyways, the whole point was, and that's not even a good representation of what I believe about behavior management. Um, but the, what I was saying was there's just so much trauma and like suffering in the world. And there's so many people who treat each other so poorly and to overcome that, to not do that requires, you know, education. It requires like income. It requires good role models. It requires, like so good environment, so many factors. And I just don't know if that's possible for everybody to experience. It's like, I know that's like maybe a sad perspective, but like there's so much trauma in the world. And I think a lot of these people drawn to these positions of power are, have horrible self-esteem, have like narcissistic issues have problems that they've never dealt with internally. And then their whole goal in life is to externally have control in, in power. And once you have that status and that, and the money, like then you're like, Oh, I, this will cover up the pain, you know? Right. I don't know. Does that, is that, are we on the same point right now? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Great. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, I, I guess, I do have faith in people because I feel like I see it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I see that we can do things when um, given the right incentives and when people have the right sort of environment in order to do those things. Like, totally, you know, if say that there's like a little micro economy here that works on that operates in just sort of like a volunteer and a giving kind of system uh, where everybody gets the sort of things that they need, like whatever, just say that there's, well, that, I mean, I guess that does happen, right? You have community like places where people can get food and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so that already does happen. You see people that have, those are the people with go- the goodness in their hearts that actually want to make change Yeah, are the, the people that are running the, the places where you can go and get food and pay whatever you want. And, um, the, the, the food shelters, what's the one called the, this by your house? It's like, a. uh, is it a, not a food shelter, but they have like a surplus of apples and things like that. There's one right over here. It's like the red shield. Yeah. But there's, and then like there's goodwill, 
right? People go and they donate their clothes. Yeah, and and not to like say that we're not capable because of trauma, but like I just feel like any group of humans together, there are going to be people with good intentions and people who have been for whatever reason damaged in different ways that struggle with their mental health, with their physical health. And like a community is always going to have to regulate itself between people with negative intentions for that community and people with good intentions for that community. Yeah. No matter how small or big or what country or what government, I think. Right. And I think that it works better when, um, I think it, I think it works better when you have voluntary participation and cooperation and yeah, volunteering for anything is better. Well, yeah, just, just like you want to be there, you want to participate and the people that are governing or leading, they want to participate as well. And, and it makes it more of a community and there isn't, um, there's also, it's a smaller scale. So what the point that I'm trying to get at here is that the current system that we live under right now um, creates a lot of trauma by just by being under it because it mm. sets the agenda for the reward system that we have to play by in order to survive and succeed. And it attracts a lot of people who are greedy, power hungry, and those kinds of things. So that's still going to happen, but it'll happen on a, a smaller scale. So it won't be as ingrained in the systems it won't be as detrimental to the masses uh so you'll have pockets of like corruption and pockets of of people that are not governing in the best kinds of ways but overall i think it would be better for a lot of people because under you know under the the powerful king you know dictatorship style of empire it's like everybody suffers, right? Like the galactic empire in star Wars, it's shitty for everybody. Mm -hmm. But if there were just smaller bands of, you know, factions of like little rulers here and there, it's a little bit less suffering. You think so? I, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I have this like instinct to challenge everything you say. Please do. (laughs) I I want you to, this is great. I, I love it. Um, I feel like we were there at one point. Like, I feel like, I feel like we're like, you know, we're constantly experimenting with different structures and like, I mean, I'm not very good history buff. I'm better with like human. I like the word stuff. buff by the way, yeah. as someone that's uh, knowledgeable in an area. Yeah. It's got like a, we, like, like a gym, like buffness to it. See, I don't even think about it in that way. Like buff, like to call someone buff mm-hmm. would just be weird. Like, Oh, that guy's buff. He must work out. But yeah, it's a very uncomfortable to combat. say that you're a history buff. I like the way that sounds because it makes me think that you like, and you take you have like a nice chair where you read uh, big leather bound books, and then you mm-hmm. make like a model train set and smoke a pipe or something. Sounds like a dream reality. <laughs> you want to do that? Yeah, I would love that. I used to love trains. Yeah, model um, trains. Yeah, model. No, I like Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh yeah. Anyways. So um, you're saying you're not a history buff? Qual- all right, qualifications? No, no, no. I, no, I've I know very little about mostly nothing um, to start this sentence. But like, aren't weren't weren't we having societies back in the day where people lived next to each other under their own like little small community, and then people just started taking each other over and like pillaging and becoming the world's greatest conqueror, and then huzzah! Yeah, like we end up. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that we have more of a chance nowadays because we have the internet and people oh, okay. can be, it doesn't have to be uh, strictly bound to a regional territory. Like, so the example I was giving before about like, well, Texas could be this way or Colorado could be that way. It's like, we could all participate under the sort of regulations that we want to fund, right? And that we, like, where, where does our tax money go? Like, if, if the government actually cared about us and actually cared about um, the health and well-being of people, they would just send us like a voluntary contribution list. It could even be over the phone and you could just be like, cool, I'll, okay, say everybody has to donate, and I know some of my listeners are going to hate this, but let's just say everybody has to donate uh, 10 to, like, a certain percentage of your income, right, to to taxation. So, okay, you get, like, a... You got low-tax listeners, is that what you're saying? I mean, I just just think taxation is is theft, you know, in the way that it is happening right now. Would you call yourself libertarian? I, I'm an anarchist. Okay. Yeah. If, if anything, I, I believe in, in, in anarchy is just the free association of people coming together in spontaneous and voluntary ways to cooperate and collaborate for a, a, an agreed upon means. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's the purest form of humanity is really, you know, and then we get all these clever ideas about how we want to do all these things. But really, it, it starts, it starts. Anyway, I don't want to diverge too much, but but let's just say that everybody had to contribute. We'd get like a, a little sheet and it'd be like, oh, cool. Like I support this. I'll put my money to that. Oh, I don't really support that. So I won't put my money to that. And then the people will literally have a, a voice and like literal representation. There's no reason why we can't do things like that. We have encrypted messaging systems. We have banking online. Why can't we have more engaged political action online? you know, and, and be represented in ways where maybe there's, so take Colorado, for example, maybe there's a bunch of people in Colorado that want to keep putting money into the defense industry, right? You got Lockheed here and, but but like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to contribute to that. Maybe you won't either. So it's like, okay, cool. Like that portion of my money I'll put into feeding the homeless instead or housing the homeless. And then we literally get to just so like voting on where your tax dollars go in a yeah. very like in a direct way in, a, in like a popular vote kind of style almost not even a popular vote style but literally clicking a button and your money goes over here yeah and everybody gets a say into where it goes and what gets funded what so i actually do like that idea but I, hold on just wait yeah yeah cuz there's more yeah great hurry and act now <laughs> imagine that exactly what i just said now take away the apparatus of the government and just have leaders that encourage people and lead by example. So you have, say, the mayor of Denver, right? It's just like, hey, I'm the, you guys elected me to be mayor. Like, cool, this is what I care about. I care about the homeless population. I care about, um, you know, the prison population, people convicted, like whatever. You know, I care about community centers and things like that, affordable housing. Like, who's with me? You know, and it's like, cool. And then you're... You, there's like private companies that want to make money and they just start getting involved. And I mean, there already exists people that are doing things and people just put their, like it's just known about. So maybe the only power of government is to just present people with more options and encourage people to participate in things, but they don't actually have the function because when you think about it, government is just a bunch of lawyers and bureaucrats. They don't fucking have, you ever go to the DMV the post office, a government website, it's like 
what year are you living in? Yeah, you know, totally. like let's get some young, passionate entrepreneurs, creative thinkers that can make things cool and accessible, get people involved where it's not annoying. That's kind of where I'm going with this. I like it. I mean, I like, I like what you're saying and I like the ideas behind it. I mean, mostly because I like, and I think we both at our core just like believe in community. 100%. And I think that's, that's what I hear coming from you. Yeah. And I, I do believe in community um, wholeheartedly. I also am wary of a lot of different things in your ideas, but I like the direction. I would love if we moved in a similar direction that I don't think community is always healthy. I think community can be extremely unhealthy and can be extremely healthy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe elaborate on that a little bit because I, I, I think I know where you're going, but I'd I mean, like to hear. To anybody listening or to you, Mike, like, think about a time when you were surrounded by the wrong people. You know, the wrong people find each other and right. they regulate their system of community to healthy ideas get like expunged you know right like that one time i was in the latin kings that didn't go so well <laughs> nice nice um we need like a laugh track ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um but yeah that's a good point that's a good point you know i don't know i mean but we're kind of in that right now with national politics and the federal government because we're in this like massive community and it doesn't feel like a community. It feels like an abusive relationship. And most of us have this weird Stockholm syndrome where we're like, well, we can't like like do anything else. We just have to fucking vote for Biden and, and hope that everything gets better magically somehow. Yeah. No, I mean, it's totally true. It's like we're putting all our weight in this like one guy. Like, I It's mean, fucking I, crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I would advocate for the abolition of nationalism. Yes. Nationalism, I think, is bullshit, and it's just like a sports team thing. Yeah. And it totally is just a – it's just so crazy how hooked we get on narratives. Like, why are we so hooked on narratives? We love stories. We love yeah. stories so much. We do, yeah. Well, the pro here's the problem, right? You're always going to have – you just there's just dickheads in the world. There's, that's what I'm you saying. You know what I mean? There's just like, dickheads in the world. There's just people that are assholes. But a lot, like you said before, a lot of it does come from this trauma, you know? Oh, yeah. I think people are naturally, naturally neutral, and I think they get pushed one way or the other. And I think some people are naturally good and some people are naturally a little bit of a dickhead. But they're not naturally extremely a dickhead, I don't think. Yeah. So what I think needs to happen is like an alien invasion – and the aliens vaporize like half the population on the planet. Race wars would be gone. Yeah, we would all unite. We would all unite. Ronald Reagan even said it at the UN. He was like, I fear that uh, only an alien invasion would bring us together in unity and Everyone, fight a common enemy. Everyone needs an enemy. It's kind of true. I mean, every, we, we, there, there is something about unifying under a common purpose or goal you know, whether, you know, and I, I see that in a lot of people right now, especially when I go on Twitter, just so many, so many people that just hate Donald Trump and hate Republicans. And it's like, yeah, I get it. They suck. They're awful. But like, why are you wasting all of your energy and time putting right. hate out there to people that you don't, one, don't personally know. And two, that like, I'm, I'm sensing that there's a lot of projection. 
There's a lot of yes, like, I agree. let's let's fucking yeah, it's this fucking person's fault. It's these people, right? Or is that your like unresolved anger from when you were seven? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, there there go there goes like again because it's really about family. How important family is. Family and not is, just yeah. the nuclear family, but did I say nuclear right? Is it nuclear? Nuclear. I would say nuclear. Nuclear. I remember people made fun of George W. Bush, Bush yeah. once because he said like. What do you say? Nuc- nuclear. I think he fucked nuclear. up. Like pretty rough. Nuclear. Nuc- that guy. I mean, Jesus ta- Christ. I mean. I mean, <laughs> he, honestly, he seems like a liberal now <laughs> compared to Donald Trump and the, and the, I, my one friend who I think you would really like, you should have him on the podcast, Jackson. Okay. Um, oh, I like that name, Jackson. He, uh, he's, he, I think he has similar views to you in a lot of ways. And he, it's talking about just like paying attention to how narratives shift within parties. He's like, he was talking about, I think he was talking about the FBI and he's like the left, like leftists like years ago had been like, fuck the FBI. Right. And now they're currently like the FBI said it, you know? And it's interesting just like how we, how we like change based off of our memory so short you know dude it's crazy i literally tweeted this out the other day because general michael hayden former cia director and nsa director i think he was nsa director but he was involved with the nsa and the cia at highest levels uh came out and made a video about how if donald trump gets elected again this country's gonna go to hell and he's supporting joe biden and i was just seeing i was like so let me get this straight we're literally cheering the CIA and the NSA, <laughs> the agencies that have been collecting data on us, spying, uh, <laughs> running black hit operations all over the right. world, dealing drugs, trading you can guns. Our phones right now. If yeah. You too. Like, so we're cheering for secret agencies. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, Trump sucks, of course. But I'm not going to cheer on li- like the literal like evil sorcerers that govern our reality, which is what that is. You know, I, I am a history buff in a sense, and uh, a very impactful book that I read was called The Devil's Chessboard, written by um, David Talbot, founder of Salon.com. And he... Um, What's that book called? The Devil's Chessboard is the formation chessboard. of the CIA um, after World War II. And it's like all these agencies, the the prohibition on alcohol and the prohibition on cannabis, which they called marijuana at the time, the devil's drug, reefer, all these things come from like, well, we started this whole operation and we can't just shut it down because everyone's going to lose jobs and we, they got a racket going, you know? So they get like, that's when, like the oil argument. That's the thing is it's, yeah. once you get a racket going, nobody wants to, no one's going to just be like, all right, we're good. We don't need to screw you people and make millions of dollars and buy yachts and islands anymore and yeah. have sex slaves flown in. Like we're, we're good. <laughs> it's like literally that's what we're dealing with is that we allow these fucking places allow. Like I said, allow. I was like, allow. We allow these places to get. Like I'm just, I'm a fucking psycho, right? I just sit around here and, and, yeah. and yammer about like government and corruption and in your uh, corkscrew um, backseat chair in yeah. the corner of your room. Yeah, I'm all, that's why I'm all corked up. I'm like, it's the Chaikovs. <laughs> the goddamn Chinese with Russians. Putin. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh, I would love to just like run like the last 20 years. I would love to, for somebody to run by 
all of the issues that have polarized us Mm. and like, do they ever contradict themselves? (laughs) Like 1996 liberals versus Republicans. Like, I don't know. Yeah, dude. I mean, I grew up Democrat liberal, like, and I remember in college being feverishly, there was like a, a, a huge contingency of people on the left that were like, just against the war and like fuck the establishment and uh-huh. like just just everybody just seemed like they were on the same side and very like fuck the man fuck this whole thing kind of thing and i'm like yeah what happened with that like i don't know i just feel like it's not as as like a, a united sort of front anymore I forgot where i was going with that i had social point, media but... i don't know what you guys said on the social dilemma episode but social media might turn out to be the enemy I mean, it's all worthy. We're, we're the enemy. It's all us. Yeah, that's true. We created the shit. You know what I mean? It's like, if is it McDonald's fault that like there's obesity in America, or is it the fact that we love fried, fatty, salty foods, and there's a company that's willing to just exploit our weakness for that stuff to make money, and yeah. you know, and and it started off as this little operation, and then it's turned in this huge thing so is it like so who's whose responsibility is it like we have to take responsibility but it also can't solely be on us because we want the environment to be encouraging us to lift up to our higher capabilities as people right right yeah it just doesn't sell not in capitalism but in what ism would it sell I don't know. I mean, that's what, like, I am, like, I'm a proclaimed liberal. Like, I I support, like, you know, higher taxes and social systems and universal health care and all those things. But also, like, when I hear people be like, capitalism is the bane of all evil, like, we need to go towards socialism. I'm like, you know, or I hear, like, capitalism is white supremacy. I'm like, okay, well, what if a group of white guys set up socialism? Like it'd probably be white supremacy still. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't know what the answers are. Well, I I like the I I like the concept of like we're venturing into uncharted territories. Mm-hmm. We have exponential technology. We have really smart people that are learning young at younger and younger ages. We have travel. We have people that are from diverse cultures. Everyone communicating with each other and working together with each other even if it's in a competitive environment it's still collaborating in a particular kind of way so it's like what could be possible that we have that we haven't done yet maybe it's a fusion of uh, different things enabled by new technology that we that we don't have yet you know but i i basically i'm with you on all those things why you're a liberal and all those things that you support Mm -hmm. I i probably support everything that you support i just want it to be through voluntary choice mm-hmm. and not through mandated government force because the like the government the the, the police are basically the, the thugs of the government right it's like yeah. they're like these men with they're guns the, and a badge the line. i mean they're but they're that's the way the, the whole thing operates they're supposed to be fear based right yeah that's the way the entire system operates fear based fear based uh you know we don't want you doing we don't want you to do this, and if you do it, we're going to kidnap you, and we're going to put you in a cage, and we're going to treat you like an animal. And it's like, 
maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a better way. <laughs> I mean, when you say it like that, it maybe is, there's a better way. It is hilarious. Like I think the best w- best thing that exploits the system is marijuana, and marijuana arrests and petty drug charges. Yeah, it's, it's in like everyone's like, oh, this is kind of insane. It's fucking insane. But like 15 years ago, they've been like, yeah, like fucking druggies, get them off, you know. The the literal message is like, okay. We don't want like we don't want you to take a plant that grows from the earth and then smoke it and then have an, a, a particular kind of effect. We we don't want that. We don't want you to be like We don't want calmer. you to be happy. <laughs> yeah, we don't So want... we're literally going to throw you into a cage. We're going to send uh human beings with special privileges, shiny badges and guns to your home and they're going to kidnap you. Right. And they're going to put you in like, imagine if, imagine if me and you decided to do that. Like imagine if you, if, imagine if you and I <laughs> just to... started walking around the neighborhood, knocking on people's doors and being like, you know, like, Hey, yeah, we, uh, we smelled some stuff outside. Uh, <laughs> you know, we got a letter from someone that said that we can come in here and they're like, for what? And then we're like, yeah, we don't like what you're doing in here. And we just cuffed them and then just took them away to like your house and put them in the basement <laughs> And we're just like, yeah, you just stay here for a little while. Yeah. We don't like what you're doing. We'll give you some meals. But that's it's about fucking it. insane. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it is insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It's I, I like what you're saying, though, with um, it'd be so nice if we weren't afraid, actually. That's where I want to go next. Yeah, man. It would be so nice if we like weren't so mushrooms. S- mushrooms. If we weren't so like not just like of drugs, but like of a th- of a lot of things. I kind of feel like you know the fear center of our brain, the amygdala, is. I've been I've been you know throwing this idea around with friends, but I think we're in we're due for a new evolution of human. I think. The amygdala is why, why when I am threatened, when my idea ideals are threatened on Facebook, do I feel anger and rage? Because this person has no effect on me truly in my personal life. Like I, I can't rationally disconnect. Like I feel this, like this person's threatened my livelihood because they don't agree with me or this person in my social circle makes fun of me in front of a group. All of a sudden, I have the survival brain of someone being pushed out of their tribe from hundreds mm-hmm. and thousands of years ago. Why is that still a part of the thing? Like, if somebody makes fun of me, I should rationally know that there are thousands of people throughout Denver and I can find a new community and it shouldn't activate such a large, like, stress response. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and we're just like, we're, we're, we're due for a new evolution. I feel like. I think so. And, and you know, it's, you're such a good sport by the way, for sitting in that seat and, and doing, I know like we this. need to make this a video podcast yeah. just so people can come and be like, wow, Mike, you really just, just upgrade. You don't, your you don't treat studio. your guests well. <laughs> hey, I gave you a LaCroix. Yeah, that was pretty good. Tangerine one. Too. You, yeah. You didn't even give me tap water. No. But yeah, it's, I think that, you know, we do have those biological instincts and 
there has been one thing that has really worldwide been in effect since the dawn of civilization, really, which has been the the eradication of individuals having direct experience with mind-altering, soul-altering substances. Graham Hancock refers to it as we've severed our connection with the natural world, with plant teachers, with, you know, and there is a, a, a war on consciousness in order to sort of contain us into a, a, a limited slice of reality, right? So yeah. the Catholic well, Church, for example, went and, you know, imposed its its will on people and said that you need to think this way. The Spanish conquistadors and they converted slaughtered people and trying to convert people to Catholicism and, and stuff. So it's this imposing our will on people. And I really think that there's, we need like a return of the sacred of, of the thing that brings us back, that brings us out of our minds so we can go back into our hearts. Really. I think that's like the I thing, totally agree. you know? Yeah. I, I wish this would, I always go back to education. I wish like, um, education wasn't the, how did that one guy put it? Have you ever read Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire? No, it sounds awesome though. Um, he advocates for a, a dialogue based model of education. And I think he calls it a receptacle based mm. where one person has the information and puts the information into someone else's head mm-hmm. versus like a non-hierarchical discussion based right. i guess socratic method if you will yeah um to educate people and i think just as you're talking about us being di- disconnected from the earth from the sacred from um these p- mind altering plants we're also disconnected from education that teaches us about our hearts that teaches us about how our minds work yeah. how our bodies work um how to survive like we're just taught how to be disciplined to do things we don't like to do which i think is a valuable skill i'm not going to totally discount that i think discipline's a huge skill but it's not the whole fucking thing yeah it's a very limited view of life and there there's so many things that we do outside of the apparatus of state-run, mandatory, compulsory schooling, education, um, politics, you know, all these things. There's so many creative things, like soul stories, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Like, imagine if that was integrated into an educational system in a particular way. That's my goal. There you go, (laughs) right? It's like, we need, like, it shouldn't take such, it shouldn't be so hard to get these things. Like what, what is best for our kids? Maybe it's maybe like meditating, learning about vulnerability and connection, maybe learning, um, real world skills about how to manage finance and these kinds of things, you know, build professional relationships, build professional relationships, relationships. networking and like what's appropriate and what's not. And like the ethics of marketing and advertising and these kinds of things. Like we should be, that's, you know, when I think of sort of an ideal society, I think of decentralized pockets of communities that operate based on a principle of, sort of nominating the people that they feel are most capable and wise to sort of suggest the things that we should be doing. And then those people sort of lead by example and, 
and and that we all sort of fund what we love you know that we like come together to fund what we love now that's in my ideal society and i think of like sort of the wise chief you know in a sort of tribal right. sort of setting i think of sort of you know like Socrates like philosophizing and a bunch of people sitting around listening and then talking or, you know, so I think of like wise leaders, wise elders, really, Mm -hmm. you know, like look at the old people in our society. Like we just toss them in homes. We just like totally disregard them. Right. You know, tribal societies. person is definitely a, a symptom of our society. It's not like, it's not the thing. Yeah, they it doesn't sh- have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If these people were proper, properly educated, properly taken care of with proper nutrition and health, you know, we could have these sort of uh, indigenous type wise leaders. When I say that, I'm referring to sort of pre-imperialist tribes. Um, not to say that it was all unicorns and rainbows and utopia. Right, right, right. There were, you know, people fucking doing crazy everywhere. shit and yeah. they were fighting and stuff like that. But still, it's it's on a smaller scale and you tend to be able to resolve issues better and quicker and faster than going, you know, what they say, the red tape of the bureaucracy and all that kind of stuff. Do you know restorative justice? No. Um, restorative justice is started supposedly this is what they say from indigenous beliefs but it's essentially instead of punitive justice it's like what instead of what rule did you break what relationship did you harm because society is a collection of relationships um and so then they have people sit in circles together and they like prep them and they facilitate and so they have perpetrators and victims um, in not all cases, it only works. It doesn't work all the time. I don't think anything works all the time. Um, but make amends and receive justice from being in face to face conversation and having perpetrators take accountability for how they affected the larger community, their family, their friends, the victims, families, the victims, friends. And, um, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love that. I remember there was uh, an incident at the the ayahuasca center that I worked at where me and uh, another uh, woman that was there had uh, a disagreement and things went sour between us. And it was, it happened to be during this Colombian shaman's visit uh, and his ceremony that he was putting together. And the way that he decided to resolve it was to have the whole, the, all the people that were in the circle sort of like get involved and we, spoke about our our things and everyone spoke and gave their input and then we totally met on common ground and like decided to sort of like make peace and you know i definitely felt like it was more powerful that way than you know for example like if i decided to like go to the police or something you know right yeah yeah i i think that comes back to like how we can't get away from face to face, man. You know, people yeah, need can. to be face to face. There's no, we don't function well as people in our isolated bubbles, uh, listening to our media, talking to just like online typing. Like, we don't learn, we don't grow. There's not, there's not feedback there, you know. It's so much easier to like hate and have opinions when you're sitting on your phone or on your laptop. Yeah, it's so much harder when you are right in front of somebody and you're hearing their story and you're hearing like that is the most powerful 
change that can come. That's why I think soul stories is does such a good job because stories from the soul, right? You're like, let's, yeah. let's connect on a soul level mm-hmm. and let's share our stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I just gave my own version of what soul <laughs> stories was, but like I'm in the ballpark, right? Yeah. 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 You're, you're there. Um, it's hard to hate people up close. I mean, it's easy to hate people up close in the sense of like family, but like people like will die for their family, you know, even if you are frustrated and irritated and know every fault of that person. I just, I just, uh, I hope we, we can move, we can keep fighting for face to face, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a big, there's there's a big difference. And and it's, it's really important. You know, I think that a lot of the issues that we face, like, dude, I don't really know my neighbors, man. Right. You know, like I don't know my neighbors and you know, the, the, a lot of the ways in which we've been conditioned to grow up in this environment, it's very isolating. It's like you exist in your home with the people that live there and you know, you buy your groceries and your food and you have your lawnmower and your things. Right. And it's like everything is yours or mine. Yeah, there there needs to be more of a I think a community based design to really f- try and foster interaction between people. Like I think architecture and design and infrastructure is actually really important in setting this kind of stuff up. So, you know, f- for example, like there's places in the world where you know the the town square is still like a thing, you know, it's like, it's designed right. in such a way where people from all, like, I remember when I used to live in New York, you'd see all kinds of people riding the subway. It wasn't just one particular kind of person in one socio demographic, socioeconomic demographic or whatever. It was a right. range of people. And I feel that that's good, but it's also more things like that. Right. So, you know, I, I had this idea of like having like a community shed, you know, so it's like instead of everybody having their own lawnmower and their own leaf blower, it's like, what if we all pooled our money together and it's like, cool, I can borrow it on Saturday. You can use it on Sunday. And it becomes more of just, you know, and it also becomes forces a, interaction. It forces interaction. It forces communication. You know, uh, yeah, I feel like that's something that we're really, everybody exists in their own private worlds with their own private ideologies. Mm-hmm. And then they're free to sort of, rant them out on Facebook and, right. you know, Build and then people are like, malicious. Jesus, what's up with that guy? <laughs> yeah. And that guy's like, well, I just spent seven years on Reddit and the incel uh, subreddit. <laughs> is there <laughs> yeah. an incel subreddit? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah. yeah. He, seven years, I spent seven years on Reddit, which is only 30 minutes in earth time. <laughs> yeah. And he comes back. It's like interstellar and every, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fucking crazy over there. I've never, I never been big on Reddit and people tell me that I have to go on Reddit and it's a good way to like grow the podcast and stuff, but I just don't really get it. And I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of its own. I don't know people who I don't, I don't know a lot of people drawn to Reddit, but it is its own world. Yeah. It's own thing. Well, here's a good thing to bring up and it ties into what we're talking about. You and I have, we're like wildly different. Yeah, we kind of are. The more I get to know you, I'm like, oh, I'm a lot more different than Micah than I thought I was. Right. But like, I enjoy your company. We laugh. We get along. Yeah, we have a good time. We have a good time together. I like you. You're a friend. But we, we're wildly different, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that like, not everything has to be 
based upon the ideas that we subscribe to and the beliefs that we have. Right. You know, it's like, I respect you for everything that you do and all the choices that you make and the things that you believe in. And I also respect the fact that you're willing to hear me out and consider some of the things that I talk about. And then I consider the things you talk about and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. You know? And it's like, man, we need more of this. Don't right. we need more of this? Yeah, I 100% agree. And more white guys that can meet on common <laughs> ground, man. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. the that's what we need. That's what we need in this country, folks. Let me tell you something right now. We need militias of white men. No. <laughs> I'm going to head out now. I appreciate you having me on. Um, it's funny, too. I have experiencing you on social media is so much different to me than experiencing you in person. And it's been this thing that I'm like, I'm really negotiating the value of social media because of these things. Yeah, dude. Hearing your voice and your ideas on social media versus hearing your voice and ideas in person is just so much different to me. And I, I wonder how I am in turn creating that same thing for other people. It's like, yeah, man, it's something that I've considered recently. Like, it, you know, I, I I have a tendency to get sucked into a social media vortex, and it definitely mutates me. I be, I transform into like a, a swarm of locusts in, in a particular kind of way, uh-huh. and my messaging gets distorted because of that and the things right. that I want to say. Me too. Yeah. And so I wonder. I'm like, oh, is what I'm like? Am I being? I can't communicate clearly what I actually I'm trying to say because there's just not enough space and time in order to communicate those things. Right. But can you think of any, I'm curious, can you think of anything uh, particular that like stood out that you were like, huh, is Mike a Nazi? <laughs> um, I, I think when, I think we already talked about this was like the, like you're, when you were going on like the anti-masking um, like rants and maybe you weren't anti-mask, but you were like really just doubling down like daily on why masks are like social control and why they are necessary. And it's so interesting because like my world is so opposite. My world is so like down for masks, you know? And, (laughs) and it's just like, it becomes that, like, I feel like, because social media, the whole thing is incentive and like to create audience for you, for whoever's on it, we end up ha- like sounding like a camp. We always in, like, it's hard to not sound like a camp to have an audience. Yeah, I know. It's, I hate it, man. You know what I, I mean? Yeah. I, I am changing the way that I interact on social media because I feel like it doesn't really act like the stuff that I post and the things I try and do doesn't really fully represent me. You know, I'm sort of long winded and verbose and nuanced and tangential and right. That's why this format's amazing. Yeah. That's why I like doing this. And, and, uh, it's like, I I think I'm going to start taking Seth Godin's advice more and, you know, Seth Godin. Oh yeah. 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 And, And he's just like, look, like, you know, if you do, if you do this, just do it. Like Cal Newport, deep work. Like you don't have to be on all these platforms and doing all these things. You could just focus on one thing and just do that thing. And I think my realm is the long form realm. Yeah. You know, I I can't because, you know, yeah, I I lost like 20 followers on Instagram, 
um, from those posts. Yeah, from from these posts, but it's like really what I'm doing is I'm just first of all I'm trying to be funny, and I'm also trying. And sometimes I'm trying to be funny. Sometimes like yeah, you got me with some of the fart ones. I did like the fart jokes. Yeah, everyone likes fart jokes, but I do the way that I feel about the mask situation is that I feel that like it's a good indicator of what people are willing to accept by the people that we outsource our trust to. Yeah. Comes back you know, to trust. and I respect people who want to protect themselves, you know, um, because I think you'd just be a dick if you weren't right. Like, it, but at the same time, I'm also not going to entertain what I consider to be fear-based conformity to a particular narrative that has been carefully crafted um, and bought, you know, bought into by uh, by a lot of people. Like, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky because it's like, I want to have compassion and respect, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also want to sort of sound the alarm a little bit and be like, there's history for this stuff. Like there's history of, of lies. There's history of mind control. Like there, you know, there's history of these kinds of, uh, techniques that are used by, governments and just when you start to go down this line of thinking you automatically trigger a response in in someone else's mind that well you must be right wing you must be a trump supporter you must be a truther you must be a q anon conspiracy tinfoil hat person you know respect the science listen to the science is official supporter of q anon by the way (laughs) he said that off the record yeah yeah (laughs) um but like it's just it's unfortunate because yeah i i do see it as um something that uh is a little scary well i think what i appreciate about your perspective and it's not like i'm not here to talk about masks but like yeah you are (laughs) this is maskadelic what did you think you were signing up for you could do like a cute podcast graphic with that put your face with a little mask on it yeah call yourself maskadelic yeah Official supporter, uh, sponsor of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Mike Adelic. Um Let me tell you something, Jack. <laughs> oh, will you shut up, man? Let me tell you something. This guy, Mike Adelic, he's he's more American than apple pie, which is sweet, and this country is a bunch of sweet hearts. So, yeah, you know, we're getting it. We're getting it done. Oh, <laughs> oh. but uh, that you're. You're, you challenge things and that's okay. Like, I think it's, I think we should, you know, I think we're, there's a sect of people. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this podcast and a lot of people that I'm talking, that I talk to that are, it's like, we should challenge our beliefs. It's okay to challenge our beliefs. It's like, you can have somebody sitting in different corners and we can have conversations and we can learn from each other, you know, because I feel like when I was in high school and college, I was taught like surround yourself with diverse perspectives if you want to grow. Um, and I, and it's, that has left the cultural narrative a little bit, but I think there are people pushing towards it again, you know? Yeah. 
I, I, I hope so, because I think that's the, the healthiest thing that we can do. And I think that's the, those are the fundamental principles of science is like, keep right. questioning, right. keep experimenting, keep pushing the boundaries. Um, and one of my favorite books of all time is called Science Set Free by Rupert Sheldrake, where he addresses that there's clearly problems in, in the field of science too, that we have to look at, you know, there's, there's, um, a sort of dogmatism that that occurs in any field that, any that field. has a hierarchy to it you yeah. know therapy too psychology is like it right it's and it's it's incredibly difficult for us human beings at the when we're when we have so many eyeballs focused on us to go yeah we uh we got that one wrong sorry <laughs> yeah you know but that i would, affected but it millions of people so, i fucked it up yeah. yeah it would be such a breath of fresh air so to good. just be like Oh, okay. Like new evidence actually suggests this, so it's cool. Um, we, you know, we we messed up. Like we got, we have some new data, whatever it is, you know. But there's like reputations on the line, people that don't want to look like fools. Right. There's, you know, there's just a, a lot of there's grants that can be taken away, funding that doesn't get met. Like there's just so much, and this is why I focus on government a lot because government is the one area in our society that we deem special privileges to that they, that they can be this sort of um, that's why corporations and people they have these lobbyists that get in there and they push their agendas and they leverage that monopoly on force uh-huh. to their advantage. And it's like, if we could understand that like the checks and balances model doesn't just occur within the um, judiciary electoral executive. and executive not electoral legislative uh legislative yes thank you uh the those three branches that mm-hmm. it actually exists in all of our perception and our awareness as well you know yeah. like we got to fucking pay attention because otherwise we're going to be in trouble yeah I mean, <laughs> there are people willing to fuck us you know of course yeah yeah you yeah. know if you're willing to fuck me, my address is two. No. Are <laughs> you going to say it? Go, no, I'm not going to say my address. I have a, you just texted it to me. I my address it. is uh, one Danny Mazer Ave. Find one Danny Mazer Avenue. Okay. Yeah. Um, there might be a, a place like that. Maybe. Who knows? Know. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's good to, it's good to challenge narratives. It's good. You know, that might be the best thing about Did you just fart. Oh, you heard that? Yeah. It wasn't a fart. Was it was a, a stomach growl. No way. Yeah. That was a loud stomach. Do you eat dinner? I'm not. Yeah. I, I haven't eaten dinner yet. I'm not, I'm not shy to say that I farted. I wouldn't do it in this size of a room cause it would just be rude to you. It would uh, be kind of funny though. Yeah. Like if we both had to sit here and you just stared at me as he did it. So there was the quick little funny story. I was, I was, uh, Christopher Ryan, guest of the show, uh, tangentially speaking, author of Civilized Death, Sex at Dawn. I was Mike's one and only prophet. Has, yeah. 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 <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, but we, we were hanging out. We went to like a dinner party somewhere. I was having really terrible IBS. It was just awful. And we were in this person's IBS? house. IBS? What's IBS? Irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it was just, uh, I used to have a, a, a an issue. You know, I've, I've mm-hmm. sort of resolved it. But uh, 
we, I was just, it's embarrassing. You know, you're at someone's house and it's a small house. You're going to the bathroom a bunch and you're like uh, trying to turn the fan on. So it's loud. So people don't hear you just like <laughs> exploding. And we got to, we went to leave and I was driving and we got in the car and, and I had this huge like growl in my belly. And I just was like, Oh man, I'm so irritated. And I just, I just let one go, you just let go. in the car. And yeah, with Chris and, uh, his, know his girlfriend not really <laughs> and i was just like man i just blasted a fart into a closed environment with like my favorite author and new friend i'm like this is not a this is not good but I, it was it was insane yeah. like i was so flared it's up like or a, whatever a bad sitcom plot line right yeah there. yeah i mean there's just yeah i've been in a lot of situations that had to that involved like taboo shame inducing kinds of things where you're like you know, I can't help it. Fuck. Yeah, man. Hey, I'm I'm pro farting. My girlfriend's pro farting. You know, a lot of a lot of farting. What do you think? What do you think it is? I know you're not a farting buff, but I'm a farting. Buff. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, then this is a good question for you. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is about a fart that is worse than say like a burp, a yawn? You know, something like that. It's like Poop we particles, but we we tolerate it in smell. Smell, yeah. That's. I feel like that's a pretty obvious one. That's. It's pretty obvious, yeah. yeah. But sometimes they're not smelly. Sometimes, but you can't predict. Yeah. See, I this here's a novel idea. I think that a, a, a nation that can embrace open flatulence is ready society. is ready for a new change. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready because we're accepting each other as we are. Yeah. Everybody farts. We poop. We sleep. We all poop. We got to meet on these common things. Isn't it, isn't, aren't bathrooms crazy when you think about it? Like when we, the amount of money we invest into our bathrooms. Yeah. Like we're all just like these naked fleshy balls (laughs) of muscle and bone just pooping. Yeah. And then we just like trick ourselves with these fancy bathrooms and houses. That's what it is. We trick ourselves. We're like, we are, (laughs) I am such... I'm not a monkey. I'm a, I'm a human being. I sit on a gold toilet. Yeah. That is really uh, one of my favorite books. I, I I should read it again. Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death um, talks about how, you know, we, we fear our creatureliness. Oh, we totally We do. We want to separate ourselves and get closer to the divine. Well, id, ego, superego in its way is a fear-based mentality. Mm-hmm. It places so much hierarchy on the super ego, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, where this primal, like, right? Yeah, there's like this rejection of the primitive and the primal. Right. Yeah, I think that's a key element, though. I think it's a really it, that's a key element when we look out at the world and social media and the political realm and the societal realm. Everybody's wearing costumes. You go to work, you you put on a costume. costume. You're a different Danny. Michaelic's even a costume. Michaelic's a costume. Is yeah. a costume. I'm a little bit more engaged with the conversation because there's microphones in front of us. We right. we have conversations like this. It's a little different, but yeah, yeah we different. we put we put on different masks and there's this there's a shame, right? Like we're Yeah. We, you know, how many times have you thought like if you could think right now how many times in your life you felt shame oh my god it's every more than you can count day. on your hands yeah every <laughs> fucking day just every buried day. <laughs> when's the last time that you felt uh shame uh yesterday definitely yesterday 
you know, what happened yesterday? I had, what happened yesterday? Um, you were talking about this a little bit with just your podcast and like growing and stuff, but like before this, but like for me, like, you know, and anybody listening who started something or passionate about something or love something like it's never enough. Maybe, I mean, maybe not everyone has that feeling, but I have that feeling where it's like, I have put 12 hours of work into this and that like on a day and then I end and I'm exhausted and it's like, what does this go towards? This goes towards an event with 30 people that then stops and it's gone. You know, it's like, there's this constant feeling of like, I want to be more. I want to be somebody else. I want to be better. I want to create more and I'm not fully capable of reaching my goals, you know? I think there's a healthy amount of that, but like sometimes it hits me in the wrong way where I'm just like, I'm fucking worthless. Mm. I went through an I'm fucking worthless like two hours yesterday. Mm. It was rough, you know? And so you you felt shame from that. Yeah, shame, you know, like... Like from from the, the general... Is it from... Brene, well, go ahead. Brene yeah. Brown like differentiates shame and guilt. Like guilt is like you did a bad thing. Shame is you are bad. Mm. And so like in that moment, I was bad. Mm. You know, my vision of myself was myopic. It was so small. And all I could see was like my own pain and insecurity and fear, my own like emotional, you know, my own mental health issues I deal with. Um, and I, I was just that, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I could do this better next time. It wasn't logical or rational. It was just like, I am, you know. Mm. Yeah. You really convinced yourself that that was true. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's part of me that right now could convince myself that's true. Because that that's a necessary sort of lingering component that you, that I, I do agree with you. I do feel that creative people need there because otherwise you would just create something and just be like, yeah, it's great. And there yeah. needs to be a little bit of that lingering remnant of doubt and criticism. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, it remains there. It's always there. It doesn't go away, mm-hmm. but sometimes a, it takes over. And there's it, a sometimes amount. it wins the argument. Yeah. And, and there's like healthy criticism and then there's just like attack, you know? Mm. And I think I was in like attack mode on myself, you know, mm. self-destructive. Danny, this is this is the, this is the podcast I want to have. This what we're talking about right here. Uh-huh. This is good. Do you do you need to like stretch, take a break? Because I kind of want to keep going and yeah, and, and hitting on the themes that we're talking yeah, what about time right is now. It? Yeah, yeah. I need some water and bathroom. Why did I go to the mic to tell you that? Danny's going to get some water and go to the bathroom. Is he going to do number one or number two, folks? Call in. This is a big deal. You know, I think that what you were what you were just talking about, because you mentioned like some of the mental health issues that you deal with. Mm-hmm. Like what... You know, I have I have my own, of course, and yeah. I relate to exactly what to you share. just said. So, yeah. what what uh what is it for you that really? Yeah, I would say I deal with, and this part self diagnosed, most of it self diagnosed, but I have been to a lot of therapy. Um, 
compulsive thinking. Um, I deal with like a lot of compulsive thinking and a lot of anxiety. And in my past, like off and on suicidal ideation, I'd say were like my three, three big ones. Yeah. When you have suicidal ideation, what are you thinking? Like what's your thought process like? Um, it, it's similar to what I was just talking about. It's kind of like, it's this really lonely, isolated feeling of the outside world has kind of left and I'm in this small feeling of just like, I feel awful. All I can see is what's wrong with me. All I can see is my shortcomings and how I've hurt people and how I failed people and how I failed to be this. And it's so, it, it, it is the compulsive thinking too. It's like so highly focused on like a thought and a, a reality that's missing so much context. Um, it's like when I, when I come out of that kind of state, it's like, Oh my God, like, wow, I'm, there's so much more around me. There's so much, more to me and there's so many like more people being impacted. It becomes so it's such an isolated, like I use the word myopic perspective before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that before too. And it, and for me, it's like, I'm thinking, why am I enduring this much suffering right. and pain? What is the point of this? Right. Exactly. What if I just went to sleep and just didn't wake up? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, like, I don't know what, what it it seems like I can't figure something out or get to where I want to be or do something or be perceived in a particular way or whatever it is that we all think about. And then when I get into those deep, dark places, I just think, well, what if I just like, what if I just like threw in the towel, you know, it's just like, all right, enough of this. I'm good. Because in that state of mind, at least for me, it's like, what's even the consequence? There's no consequence because I'm already such a meaningless, I have such a meaningless existence. Why would it matter that I right. left? You yeah. Know? I mean, I I think of, well, I have like a nephew and two nieces and, you know, that I have thought of them and been like, oh yeah, like what would that, that would suck. Like if it was just like, oh, like what happened to Uncle Michael? Like, oh, he just, right. he iced himself. You know, he, he he put a desert eagle in his mouth and he blasted his brains out in his podcast studio. <laughs> Why did he do that? Well, he wasn't hitting in the downloads that he wanted to hit. It's like, you know, the so the one thing that has kept me afloat in those darker times when I have thought in that way with suicidal ideation is like, what is that? The image that represents to the people that look up to you. Yeah. You that's, know, that's interesting. That's where your mind goes. Yeah. Cause it's like, I imagine what it would be like for me if I grew up and I was like, what happened to uncle Joe? Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah. He, you know, he decided to, you know, 
put an Uzi on the on in his temple <laughs> to his temple and just <laughs> fire his skull all over someone's room. <laughs> this is just gonna become riff, riffing on how you would shoot yourself. <laughs> we talk about deep, serious issues, and then we just go off on eight eight different scenarios that are. Uh, I do think it's healthy to laugh at this kind of shit. I think it, it needs to be laughed at more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and because I bet more people out there can resonate with this than have been publicly and uh, vocal about or open about. Oh, for sure. Even the people that are listening that are right now, there's probably people that are listening that are like, oh, that, I don't relate to that at all. I've never had that. But if you maybe if you stopped and thought about it, there was probably a microsecond in your life where you experienced something in this realm. Well, I think it's so natural because if we're like we like waking up and living is a choice. And if we're conscious of that choice, why wouldn't we be conscious of killing ourselves or at least think about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting what keeps kept you from like making any action. And to be clear, there's like different levels of this. Um, and like the next level from ideation is like having a plan. I've never had a legitimate plan. And I know there have been, I'm friends with people who have had plans and gotten very close to executing them. Um, but it's interesting, like what, um, what, <laughs> what are you about I'm to just say? laughing. Cause you, out of all the words to use, use the executing. <laughs> Like was one of your friends plan to, they're like, I know I'm going to do it. They order, they just like roll in a guillotine <laughs> into, into the town square. Well, that's just impressive. Yeah. They pull that shit off. Um, but like, what's your purpose? You know, I feel like people need to find their own purpose. Um, you know, sometimes for me, I feel like it's what keeps me awake is like, there's just so much good things to be had in this world, you know, like waking up on a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee, listening to your favorite podcasts, hashtag Mikeadelic, um, and like making a joke with a close friend or a roommate, like those little moments, you know, walking outside and it either being like super cold or super warm and sunny and just like enjoying different, like, there's just so much, there's so many little things in life to be so, that bring so much joy that um, I'd rather have that than not have that. You know? Oh man, yeah. You just painted a great picture in my in my mind. Like you made me think of, um, I forget it was whose phrase it was, but they were talking about what makes poetry great. And they said, it's the radiant particulars. And I really, really like that because that's exactly what you're describing is like these really particular moments, you know, I'm walking in the park to go meet some friends yeah, and it's like summer is just coming on and the smell, there's a particular smell in the air and you get a whiff of something that you get a whiff of a Capri sun and it reminds <laughs> you of when you were in sixth grade and you went to the Orange community slices. pool and, yeah. you know, ate like Ilio's pizza or something brings you back to something and you go see your friends and you're having a, it's just like that, that moment, the sun is shining in a particular way and it can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. It can't be duplicated. And yeah, that is, 
And that, that just, to me, that just stems from love. Like it just stems, stems from pure love. And, and that is, that is another thing when I think about like one day my parents aren't going to be here anymore. One day I'm not going to be here anymore. One day, everything that was ever known of me and anyone that I knew and, and was alive aren't there. We're not going to be here anymore. No, nobody will remember us. And no one will remember us. So it's like, what's the, what do we do? You know what I mean? Like to me, it just boils down to like, we need to inject, we, I think it's healthy to talk more about death and suicide and mental issues. I mean, they're not even like just mental issues. They're like psycho spiritual, emotional, emotional, physical physical issues, you know, trauma that lives in the body. Psychosomatic. Yeah. Psychosomatic. And so it's like, we really need to sort of, realize how fragile I think this existence is. Yeah, no, it really is. And our minds are so fragile. And I think something I had to deal with in my mental health journey was like, I think the mental emotional health journey is about learning how to enjoy, you know, learning how to enjoy things because for a long time in my twenties, I remember, I remember my first moment where mental health became an issue for me. I had just broken up with my girlfriend. I was 19. I was working in the office for disability services and I was typing on my computer, translating a document. And I remember I just broke up with my girlfriend maybe two weeks ago. And I remember my heart started racing so fast. It was so out of control. It was like the craziest feeling I'd ever had in my life. And I had a panic attack. I didn't know what it was. I was out of control. I didn't know. I, I thought I was dying. I was like completely irrational. And starting then from 19 till now, mental and emotional health has become a very big part of my life because going out of college and into my 20s, there was just this heavy depression, this heavy anxiety about the world and what I mean to it and what I need to create. And, you know, if you know me, um, a lot of people know that my mom overdosed on narcotics when, but in survived. And I, I've learned through that journey that my dad deals with severe anxiety and my mom deals with drug addiction and depression. And a lot of it is like, has been for me unlearning these beliefs, whether they're from society, whether they're from your friends, whether from your family, that have made life hard to enjoy. Um, whether that's about myself or whether that's about like my career and what I'm supposed to achieve and who I'm supposed to be. It's like we have these camera lenses for brains and they're constantly getting fogged. Um, and we got to constantly clean them and we got to constantly work with them because, and we don't even know when they're becoming foggy because we just get lost in it. We just think that's what the world looks like through that lens. Mm. And it's a lot more complicated than that. You know, Mm. I advocate for medication. I advocate for therapy. I advocate for no medication. I advocate for no therapy, like whatever works for you, you know, Mm. Mm -hmm. community, whatever. But, Mm. um, yeah, that was my mental health tangent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'll edit that out though, because you mentioned that on the last (laughs) podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I guess my point to that was to unlearn a lot of things that keep us from enjoying 
people in little moments in our life. We mm. have to unlearn a lot of shit. Right, yeah. Well, what you said about the camera lens getting foggy is something that I bring up a lot, which is uh, a Colombian healer said during a ceremony where he, it was so simple, but it just stuck with me. He was like, you know, as people, we forget. We always forget. And we need to remember, and we need other people that remember that we all forget so that they can remind us and we can remind wow. them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's what happens. We get so caught up in the bubble of our existence that we forget about the fragility of life. Mm -hmm. We forget about what really matters to us the most, what really excites our souls. Right. You can what ask the broiest, frattiest guy who's, you know, boofing beer on South so Padre funny. Beach or whatever. And you know, yeah, like you know, sucking sucking beer out of my bro's ass. You know, and like as like like deep down at the chorus level, like he has love in his heart for the people in his life that are closest to him, family, mm -hmm. friends, whoever he wants, love, he wants connection. They, you know, that we community, all want those things, yeah. community. And when our autopilot lives are interrupted by a loss, by a death, by an accident, by something, uh, then it changes things for us. Uh -huh. And sometimes it just changes things for a brief moment. And then we go back to the cycle because like you said, the camera, lens and the forgetting yeah we just get right back into it but those moments when we're you know someone close to us has passed and we have to go to a funeral and it's like it really just brings everything into perspective and i think loss happens on like a day-to-day -day level like you know if life is temporary like things are constantly there are constant new beginnings and there are constant losses and I don't do a good job of this for myself and I, I want to do a better job, but like processing is so important, you know, just giving our space to be like, Hey, my friend from Denver, who's been here for two years, just moved away. Like that's an emotional loss, you know? Oh, I just changed jobs. Oh, I'm, I moved to a new apartment or a new house that's changed. It's like, it, we're like, we get used to environments and contexts and people and predictability. And it, we never have that. And we need space to always be like, Oh, like, Oh, my community right now is actually different than six months ago. Like, let me think about that. What does that mean for me? How is that affecting my life? What am I doing more of? What am I not doing enough of? Like, it's just life happens in micro moments. It doesn't happen on milestones, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And micro doses. Microdoses, bring it back, Mike. <laughs> but but yeah, like what we were we were talking about a little bit before, um, with uh, shame, trauma. No, because um, I'm relating it to what you were mushrooms. Uh, not mushrooms, no. Um, but it is this this sort of. Uh, you know, this thing that happens when we're, when we're on the internet, when we're online. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, it creates this sort of abstraction of a human being. Yeah. It creates this like idea or symbol of, of what we really are. Right. But it's not really us. And so that sort of like projection, that avatar, that, that thing, uh, 
has a whole different kind of environment that it, it behaves in. Yeah, it exists in a whole different environment. It exists in a whole different environment. And that environment is constantly like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. So I like, care about this. You know, be afraid of this. Worry about this. Get a like from this. Yeah, it's just it's just an onslaught. And we have no time to proper to give the proper empathy and compassion and space to people that mention things like you just mentioned, like, Oh, I'm moving. And it's just like, Oh, you're moving. All right, cool. Yeah. Cool. People move like things happen. Yeah. Like whatever. Right. You know, it's like, where's the slowdown? Like I, I used to have this joke where I thought when I was like uh, doing comedy and it was like the, the news on the radio could be like, it's like this crazy thing that happened and they're like they're like tonight at nine like a nine-year-old girl was raped in the bronx find out what happens next on hard copy and it's just like whoa 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 <laughs> yeah. wait 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 that was a, commercial? a nine-year-old girl was <laughs> raped in the bronx like that's terrible right you know like why does it carry this like sensationalist tone like and it doesn't it doesn't have views. the proper yeah it's like two men like two men walked into a school and shot a bunch of people like to find out later on tonight tune in at seven and, right. you know we are the team that covers it popcorn yeah and it's like it's like guys like we should be like coming at this with like guys hey hey there's a terrible problem in our country and things are happening and it's really sad and we need to talk about them right. not this like you know like Grandma was murdered and slain in the Bronx and find out after the game. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa. Like, sorry to be putting it on the Bronx, but that's where I'm closest from. Uh, but yeah, right? Like, it's like we need the proper amount of space because I think that the abstraction of social media and the internet has decreased our ability to really feel. Yeah. No, I, I think we're always trying not to feel, you know. I mean, that's what drug addiction is. Um, I just had this guy, Hassan Latif, who started the Second Chance Center on my podcast, and he talks about being a drug addict. And he's like, not like always consuming drugs is because he didn't like how he felt. And honestly, feeling sucks. Mm. It's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like it's not that great to feel things. And I think that's. And we pretend like we don't feel things too. Like that's masculinity, right? Right. Which is the sort of toxic part. If I, if I can say so, you know, uh -huh. it's like where we, we don't, when we, when we're always trying to feel good, you know, we're, we're doing yeah, things that are vibes. trying to like make us feel good and we're escaping the present, whatever. You don't even have to complicate it by saying all that. Just saying things that like, we always want to be feeling good. Yeah. We always want to be feeling like we're on top, but to, in order to maintain that illusion, that means that we cut ourselves off from our entire capacity to feel. Yeah. It's not that we're just cutting off the bad parts. We're cutting off joy, the, 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 the deep, sincere moments. You know, I, I oftentimes, you know, I, I, I've sort of made a transition from being like sort of an uh, unthinking sort of meathead type person to, but I would never was that. That was just a, an identity that I had crafted. Yeah. Like I just, yeah, I just crafted no, that. Just I, <laughs> no, no, I just crafted that identity to like fit in or whatever. Right. 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 But me, that wasn't me at my core, but I being in those environments and associating with people in that particular way 
going out, drinking all the time, partying, getting drunk, puking, like, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? Typical sort of sorority frat boy type lifestyle. Uh We all know what that means. But it's like, you talk to some of those people now as the person that I am, and it's just like, wow. Like, it's just, and I'm not trying to generalize, but I'm just saying like in certain individuals that I've spoken to that are, that meet those, that criteria, it's just like, there's no feeling really. It's, yeah. it's, ju- it's a search for hedonistic pleasure, not for like deep, sincere, heartwarming intimacy. Yeah. And I would even just to offer, um, like another perspective on it too, not a, not a different one, but like, just like a, you have to sim- offer the same perspective as me. You're <laughs> off the show. <laughs> Similar one. Yeah. Um, God damn. You're just too funny. That's it. I mean, yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Keep saying that. Spiritual <laughs> spiritual communities. Anything can become... I When I... You know, when I first started Soul Stories, just to put the lens on myself, um, I was in an incredible amount of pain. Like, my mom had just overdosed. Um, my b- first friend in Denver developed early onset schizophrenia. Um, I was by myself. I was out of the comfort of my Ohio bubble and community. I was in Denver. Um, and I was like, I'm going to start, like it was called storytellers at the time, but I'm going to start this group where everyone can be vulnerable and be themselves. And, and I was like, I remember having a conversation with my co-founder being like, if I'm going to start this thing, I need to be soul stories. And then I put on this whole other mask that was like, look it, I'm preaching vulnerability, I'm preaching this, I'm preaching that. But like I wasn't actually going inside myself and dealing with the pain. I was just like, oh, now I'm above the pain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like spiritual bypassing. Right, yeah. Well, yeah, because that happens when we sort of convince ourselves in our mind that we have understood a particular... mode of being it's like oh yeah i get that i resonate with that and then it's easier to project outwards and espouse outwards than it is to actually go inwards and does that knowledge transition from your mind into your body into your heart like it's easy to be a disembodied head who knows everything right but like i've certainly been there yeah yeah we all have and but can you can you feel the pain of thinking you're worthless or feel the pain of your parents doing whatever they did to you when you were old. Can you relive that memory and process and work through it with professional help and guidance and people around you, you know? Yeah. It's, it's just a different thing. Right. Yeah. Than knowing about it, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the pursuit of knowledge for it. Yeah. 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 And that's, I think, I think that's a, a pretty, male dominated or masculine dominated energy mm-hmm. is the sort of like logical, rational, mental, cerebral right. mind. Right. Uh, you know, when it, mind can, can represent the, the all of consciousness that we, that we are. I think it's also American too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Brazil and I was called cold very often mm-hmm. by like my students and the people I was working with. And here I would never be called cold. Right, yeah. But yeah. Like, there's so much embodiment in the Brazilian culture. Yeah. Um, and so here we're so rule-based and we're so 
We're so like, you know, even look at our games. Look at look at uh, football, international football, soccer versus basketball or baseball. Like we're so to the anyways that's tangential no it's not you bring up a good point because it is like there is this sort of mechanism of the white imperialist european puritanical type of dominator culture Mm -hmm. that is um maybe behind evolutionarily speaking or something because they can't think of any other way to relate to the world other than by like conquering it conquering over it with by imposing rules regulations uh laws punishments Mm -hmm. fear right fear 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 so there's this sort of facade of it's it's funny it's like there's this eerie facade of assimilation that happens and conformity to like that kind of tone that gets set where you put on this like Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm I'm Mike. Nice to meet you. Oh, good, good, great. Yeah, great. Yeah, like we'll be in touch. Yeah, sure. And it's like you're not. You're that is sort. That I could see how that could be interpret interpreted as cold, just formal in this kind of formal way. Yeah, it's very structured, cerebral, mind based, formal, punishment based thinking. Yeah, and um, it works well for your environment. It works well for law and order, I guess. I don't know if you can even say that's totally um, true. I'm going to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> but it was. Unless you're talking about the TV show. <laughs> I was. Which I was, in that case, John Mulaney has a great joke about it. Google it. Yeah. John Mulaney is, is the hero. I love John Mulaney. You ever watched the show Law and Order? <laughs> His what's new pussycat joke is. Yeah. The Tom Jones. Yeah. The yeah. Tom Jones. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it works good for conquering your external environment, but, like, that's not all of life. There's so much more to your internal environment, and it's hard to get to know. It's messy. It's subjective. And you spend a lifetime getting to know it, and you still don't know it because it's always shifting and changing. Yeah. And we attack ourselves like it's our external environment when we need to, you know, not I always want to put it on myself. But, yeah, I need to stop attacking myself and learn how to just, like, Oh, this is what I was dealt. This is who I am. This is the reality I live in. This is the person I am. This is the mind I have. And how do I work with that? You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're a big fan of Brene Brown. I have one of her books, and I've watched some of her talks. And um, you know, I'm I'm definitely interested in what we're talking about right now. I think it's tremendously interesting well, because good. I think it, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, I've been faking it this whole time. Got to get those downloads. folks. Uh huh. Yeah, totally. Let me just make up something. Um, right, let's but, do some Jimmy Fallon exercises. Uh, oh, that's Jerry Seinfeld. Jimmy, hey, this is great. I've got uh, Danny Mazur here. Tonight we got to listen to the roots playing in my bathroom. Whoa, everybody. Woo. I love his reactions. Yeah. And he's just like, that is so Excitement! Oh my God, that's so exciting! That's so cool! Oh shit! Oh man, Justin Bieber skyped me last night. Whoa, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> Is that a good Jimmy Fallon? That was a great Jimmy Fallon. Oh my God, yeah, that's amazing! Whoa, that's so cool! Huh? That's crazy! No, you didn't! Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you saying? Um, but that's a that's a good representation actually of this sort of like who's really watching that and being like, this is great. <laughs> My dad loves to be found. Yeah. But that's like, I mean, exactly. But it's like, it's like our, our parents, yeah. like it's not, it's neutral. It's, it's as, it's as neutral as you can be. 
But I think it's because our parents have, like, I think every generation, so we'd be like the millennial generation and the Gen Z, mm-hmm. you're the kids that are younger than us. Like, they, every generation is a little bit more aware of putting it on, faking it, you know, giving us this hammed up version of reality. We're a little bit more, would, would you agree with this? Like, we're a little bit more perceptive about when people are kind of, being cheesy and corny and cliche and hacky. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I don't know. I bet Gen Z is better than us too. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully yeah. they're better than us. I, I think so. Yeah. Well, if you look at uh, what Gen Z really like, I mean, I guess I know a lot of Gen Z people and I have like cousins, family members, but, and I love, I love a lot of the stuff they love. And it's like really like irreverent, ironic, just like over the top, absurd and surreal type humor. And a lot of other just kind of, you know, who gives a shit about a lot of, but then they also care very much about other particular Uh things. But, but they're, but they're, I guess I'm speaking more towards like the sense of humor that I've noticed. And like, yeah. um, What were you going to, what were you going to say when you were talking about Brene Brown originally? Oh, right. What I want to say was like, what do you think could be instituted into like what do you what kind of society do you think we can create that we can produce people that are able to sort of really uh express the totality of their being Yeah, that would be so hard. <laughs> just a simple question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think 10 that- seconds. <laughs> I think about like porn. I don't know if you've been on um, Pornhub as of recently, but like top porn for many years now has always been family porn. Oh yeah, that's right. You you mentioned this to me. I was yeah. surprised at this. I Porn's didn't know. been a tough habit for me to kick, and I'm I'm working on it right now. And I, if you're into it, I don't care. But I'm just like I I think it's uh it's it's dangerous. It is dangerous. It has. It has been good for me in some ways and mostly bad for me. I forget who said this, but they said if if it's oh Jaron Lanier, who's uh, one of the like I think he invented VR, big Silicon Valley guy, but he's a hippie with dreads, and uh, he wrote a book called Who Owns the Future. He said if if it's free, you're the product. Yeah, yeah. I think you said that to me the other day too, and I love that. Um, but like. Think of if, if like hottest porn when I pull up Pornhub is stepsister and brother fuck each other. Like, what are we missing right now? Because we don't talk about that. Like, like family dynamics. Families need to have meetings and talk about like, all right, who's fucking here tonight? (laughs) 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 Like puritanical Christian culture. And like, you know, we always, we always take these camps and we always like make these rules on whose actions are worthless. You know, I talked to my girlfriend about this, but like, when you think of mental health and vulnerability, I always am on the watch out for like pop culture vulnerability, which is like what I was even talking about, Mm. which is my mom overdosed. I'm a sympathetic character. You know what I mean? But like there's studies out there that say pedophilia is a, is could be compared to a sexual orientation. 
but we can't have that conversation because pedophiles have universally been agreed to be scum of the earth, right? So these expressions of humanity, and I'm not advocating for us to No, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Like, we don't want to think about our darkest shadow selves. Right. And that's what's so hard about creating a society, like, that... And that's, and I think we're, I think we have decided that we'd rather it exist and be awful and us other them than us recognize that part of ourselves and figure out how to work with our human conditions to process them together. Cause I think it's just scarier to admit that maybe somebody had thoughts about a child. You know what I mean? Like those, like all of these things are like, we don't want to we don't want to own what's inside the human experience and work with it. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think that the, that's why it's like we can't have these debates on the internet. Right. Because they become clickbait abstractions, they become buzzwords, they become team shouting matches. <laughs> I just made like a weird snort. They become team uh shouting matches because I definitely see a lot of people that are just on this sort of like, we got to hunt down the child predators and it's this big thing. And like, of course it is right. Right. It's awful But it's thing. like, but to even entertain a discussion like we're having right now of would where, be off the table. Because, just to ask, where did that come from? Yeah, Who are these yeah. people well, and how did they develop? Why do we have these, these symptoms arising? Right. Exactly. You know? I, I question this when, when, I remember the Las Vegas shooting that happened. And I was like, this is so weird that this has just become normalized. Like, what is wrong with our society right. that, that is producing these results? Like, if you worked at a business that its job was to, like, produce happy, well-functioning people, and every once in a while someone would blow themselves up, blow the whole store up, shoot everybody up, <laughs> fuck everybody against their will in there, rape people, like, you'd be like what are we doing wrong here? Right. We're, what kind of product are we putting out? You know? Right. And so we have to, I think, come with compassion to a lot of people because I would, I would argue that there's very few people in the world that are purely like satanically evil. Right. You know, I think there's a lot of distortion, distorted, um, worldviews, warped minds, trauma, infected people, mm-hmm. unhealed wounds, years of, abuse that we couldn't even fathom, you know, and like you said, that's, that's a frightening area to go to because that means that we have to start feeling, we have to open ourselves up. We have to consider this other person as a human being who seems to be detestable from the outside. Right. And then what does that say about us? Exactly. That's the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I capable of this? If I went down a different route, would I be a different person? Mm. And like, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, um, might be my favorite spiritual. I love TikTok. Uh, me too. Yeah. He's recently not eating. Have you heard this? No, I haven't heard this. He's not eating right now in, um, in preparation for death. He's going to die soon. Wow. I know he's fucking gangsta, man. Jesus. Well, yeah. That's yeah, man. Um, and so he has this poem and I always forget the actual title, but I call it, I am. And he like talks about being these different things in reality. Like I am, <laughs> I don't even know what he says, but I am the locust. I am this, I am mm. that. He even says the one that sticks out to me is I am the rapist. I think he says rapist. He says some like detestable type of person. Um, and it's like, 
are yeah like what to identify with somebody to know our humanity in somebody else that has done awful acts like that's when we'll start to understand like humans you know and um i think the other thing i want to say with mental health is like what is culturally accepted mental health and what is culturally like disdained mental health you know that's going to become a conversation too Mm. yeah well it already sort of is Mm -hmm. you know i think that you have you you know i think you have this one dominant model that says that you know charles eisenstein wrote a great piece about this called the banquet of whiteness and he was talking about a doctor i forget her name she's from Africa, practicing medicine in the U.S., I believe in Texas. And she said some things regarding COVID, and she was attacked for them. And Charles Eisenstein made the point in his piece that... Oh, I remember this lady, yeah. Yeah, he made some points in his piece that said, this is inherently sort of a a racist kind of way of exhibiting power and control because we're essentially saying that the the white western medical system and the sort of religion of science and medicine the that religion of science it's really interesting yeah right like it's like the sort of the sacred cows that we don't question right, right. it's like well of course western medicine is the best we've conquered all these diseases and we've people would be dying and whatever you know so it's like we hold this up to be sacred yeah science and and medicine but that means that we also discount practices in ancient practices eastern practices alternative alternative practices energetic reiki and heal other healing modalities and plant medicine modalities for healing and um other kinds of shamanistic ways and they get labeled as voodoo or witchcraft. And this is the same kind of thing that happened in the past where we, you know, the Catholic church burned scientists They, uh, you know, Giordano Bruno, I believe was burned by the Catholic church. They imprisoned Galileo, like the witch hunt, the Salem witch hunt, all this stuff, sexist, racist, you know, classist, all these kinds of things. So, when we're talking about mental health, it's like also important to consider many other ways that we can be healing that might not align with the dominant Western medical scientific model. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's, Oh man, I just had so many thoughts, but yeah, there, there's so much more. And I, I mean, I, I appreciate your brand of like challenge too, you know, I think it's good to challenge these things and to make sure like, we don't just buy everything we see, even if it's easy to believe, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I've suffered, I've experienced suffering. I experienced depression, suicidal ideation, anxiety. Like I, I deal with this stuff and I just have love. Like I have love in my heart. Like I want everyone to be happy and I want everyone to like be free and feel like they're living their best lives. And mm-hmm. that's the, what I love to do the most is just have fun and like be with people I love the, that's like the the number one thing that excites me about living life. And I want everybody to have an opportunity to do that, you know? So it's like when I look and I see so much suffering, I just, I'm like, okay, like what is, why does this sort of company 
if you want to call it that, you know, this company, this, the, the structure of this company that manufactures these beings into the, into reality, what's wrong here? Like, how can we yeah. make some adjustments to this that we're actually producing quality products, you know? Right. And having the wherewithal to just focus on that question. You know, I think we're so quick to solutions, even mm. like, the gun violence conversation is so interesting to me. Like people are just like therapy, just throw therapy at it. You know, just throw therapy. Like once everyone gets therapy, they'll be great. You know, I mean, I work with therapists, like there are fucked up therapists. There are incredibly wonderful therapists that will make change in your life. There are therapists that will traumatize you. I've been traumatized. I have been transformed by a therapist. I have been traumatized by a therapist. Um, it's such a vulnerable space. And we don't, we don't want to think about like what it means to have sweeping solutions to something. I got it. We only give guns to therapists. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the solution. Yeah. I'm just kind of depressed. It's like, Oh, are you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now tell me how you feel. <laughs> now you'll fucking appreciate it. Tell life. me about what happened <laughs> in seventh grade. <laughs> With little Bobby. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, yeah. So you're saying that the, this, this. The sweeping solutions. The sweeping like, solutions. The one size fits all solutions. The, right. Yeah. That, like therapy is yeah. incredible, but it's, it's, there is a lot of problems. It's a very young field. Um, I talk like I'm a therapist, but I'm not a therapist. Um, but you have experience and you know the world very well. I've been going to therapy since I was 14. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you understand it's just, um, it's interesting. It's like, isn't there an Einstein quote that if like, you're going to ask me for a solution, like I'll spend 99% of my time on the problem and then 1% on the solution or something. Yeah. And there's also, I, I don't, I, I, I guess he said that, but uh, I probably butchered it. But. Well, what he, I know what he did say was that, we can't solve problems from the same level of consciousness that created them. That too. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes so much sense to me because, you know, in this sort of data driven world, right? Like we're always, I worked in marketing and social media and we, we analyzed the data and we said, what are people clicking on and what are they doing? And we'd like be able to predict people's behaviors and the social dilemma that comes out talks about this. And it's like in this data driven world, we're, studying what always what has worked yes you know and it's like okay this has worked so we're just going to keep doing that and we fail to sort of like take these risks and go into the world of uncertainty and right unknowing and and surprise and experiment radical Which experimentation alternative medicine can come in because alternative medicine the shitty part of it is it's not always proven it's not always guaranteed there can be abusive people in those spaces, but like it is a creative space. It is an experimental space. It is a space where you can try different ways of healing, you know? Yeah. Well, but we're not, I think we've been lied to by, and not like necessarily intentionally. It's just that we trick ourselves and we lie to ourselves that yeah. we think we're going to figure it all out, that we're going to have solutions for every fucking problem. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't figured shit out, you know, but 
I think this process isn't about like giving answers as much as it's about like having dialogue and moving through answers and with answers and where are we now? And like something Mike said an hour ago might not be the same thing Mike said an hour and a half later, you know? Mm. And I think this is... Boy, did you just catch me in a contradiction? Oh, you contradict me all the time. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. It's just like, uh, like it's okay to, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to talk about things. It's okay to like work through things and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings us into the financial system, right? Mm-hmm. Because the financial, that at, we all have to march to the beat of the drum of the dominant monolithic financial system mm-hmm. because what what we're talking about on this show is really just about creating more space so we yes. have more time to right. feel and to have real human experiences and give the proper amount of attention and care and weight to particular issues and topics without always having to f- figure out how we're going to survive right and how we're going to you know increase our pleasure through material things right yeah space is really important and space is scary i i still struggle to meditate i think having time alone you know i know people who get nauseous when they meditate you know i know people who um space is just not a a muscle we have right and it's it's hard I mean, I think collectively as a species, we're totally insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, think about it, right? It's like when you're born through, and then as you progress through life, it's this totally narrow, linear version of reality that's offered to you. Mm-hmm. It's like you keep going and then you get here and then you go to the next place and then you do that and then you do this thing and then you do that. It's like we're always... My questions are always like, where are we going? Number one, and why are we going so quickly? And what are we building and for who? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? Right. Why can't we just be people Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, and this is what you're talking about when you were in Brazil, right? Like when I've traveled to other countries, I've experienced people, for example, like in in Peru or in Laos or Thailand even, families living together, aunts, uncles, cousins, nephews, like working together at a business and really just, just in, like they enjoying the process of being together and living life and not necessarily, it's very strange here in, in America where we're, we're isolated, people leave, me and you both live thousands of miles away from where we grew up That's and where our families are. That's not the norm are. around the world. That's not the norm. Yeah. And there's something that we lose in that exchange in this pursuit, wherever we're, whatever we're trying to do and go and be. It's so crazy because, like, as Americans, what we have access to is so unrealistic. You know, like if you are like, you can go many places and ask who Michael Jordan is, right? Like not many other places in the world can somebody achieve that level of power and fame. You know, like most people pay attention to American politics. American politics don't pay attention to most other countries. Right. We have such a lens on us and we have such a privilege and 
we have these powerful celebrities who get so much attention and these people that like change the world and have these great thoughts. It's almost like that is one of the worst things for our mental and emotional health because Mm -hmm. we see these things that we can become. We can become Jeff Bezos. We can become Cardi B. That's who I want to become. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just like, that's like when you're in a, I imagine being in a place where the power isn't like at your fingertips like that, you know, unreal, like illusion of having it at your fingertips. Mm. I imagine it's easier to not give a fuck about how many likes you get on Facebook, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it gamifies life in a, in a particular kind of game that I would argue that most people don't really enjoy. Right. You know? And it's just kind of like, we're all just playing the game even if we're not having fun with it. We're playing the game even if we're not having fun with it because it's the only game in town right now. Yeah. It seems like, you know, and we're like, okay, Platforms well, yeah, just, okay, like, cameras. you're telling me that I can have all, like, I'm seeing all these shiny, happy depictions of life that I feel like I want to experience and you're telling me that I can get that if I work hard and I make money and I save and I invest right and I network and I hustle right. and I grind and I fucking grind more until I grind my soul out of my fucking anus and I and I have nothing and you know I feel morally bankrupt and I get to that position where I have five yachts and six private islands and 25 companies and I'm like what I don't know I I you know what 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 is what is this right you know how many times do we hear that story oh my god and still the narrative is pervasive that it's like do more create more be more make more earn more you will become more right and i even think about it in terms of like making change in the world like you know like great leaders who have influenced the world like that is the same level of materialism to me as somebody who makes money is like how much influence can you have to change the world and make it better? Like that's materialistic. That's mm. external. That is nothing. Like that's not you as a person or who you are or what, what you find joy in and what makes your clock tick, you know, mm. mm-hmm. that's like, it's outside of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, sort of megalomania a little bit. Totally. You know, it's like, I remember the movie Troy, which is not like a great movie <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. It's fun action thing, whatever. But um, has bad taste in movies. Oh, you love Troy? No, I don't know. Oh. I'm just making fun of you. Oh, oh you're like Brad Pitt to qualify and... that. Well, yeah, it's just like a fun. Yeah. Act, but because what I'm saying is, I think there's a really profound narrative in that movie, which is King Ag- Agamemnon has a beef with Achilles who they both want to be immortal in a sense that their names will live on throughout history. Yeah. And that's what causes them to go to war, to go to the battles, to conquer cities, to kill people, to do all these things because they want to be remembered throughout all of time. Right. So it gets back to this like denial of death thing too. Yeah, this exactly. not willing, we're not willing to accept our limitations and our mortality. We want to create rockets that fly straight to God's, you know, ball sack. I was, and I was waiting for you to say anus. <laughs> I, I already like, said it. I was like, I knew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we want to, we want to, that's what we want to do. We want to, we want, like, we want to reach that pinnacle whatever that pinnacle is that we have this delusion that we think that we're going to 
everything's going to be okay when we transcend this like primitive human form. Yeah. We're going to get rid of the pain. We're going to get rid of the suffering. Escape the feelings. Right. Escape the feelings. Have you ever read the poem Ozymandias? Yeah. Yeah. Can I read that? Poem? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I How do you feel pronounced about it as Ozymandias? Ozymandias? Mandia. Right. Mandias? Ozymandias. How do you feel about when people stop on podcasts to read something? I feel fine because I'll edit the part where you, where we paused and then I'll just, you'll say, can I read something? And then you'll just be reading it right away. Nice. I mean, just the general concept of doing it. Uh, Fine. Okay, great. I do it. Great. Uh, Ozymandias by Percy Shelley. I didn't know it was Percy Shelley. I met a traveler from a unique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer cold sneer of cold command tells that its sculptor, well, those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My, na- my, name is on- <laughs> my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. Which is what I picture is just like this fucked up like sculpture half in the sand being like, look, I'm the most powerful motherfucker that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. Yeah, sh- it's just tremble like, with, with uh, worship to me. Yeah. Right, just this deserted land. That How pathetic is that? You know, it's like this pathetic clinging to something that never will be or, right. you know, it's just this delusion. It's a delusion. It's a psychopathy. It's insanity. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really where we're at. And maybe that's a good place to end it. And maybe we'll pick up with a part two. I think we will. All right. Well, I'll be here tomorrow. Cool. For part two. All right. All right. Well, that concludes uh, this podcast with Danny. Go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank for $5. You get access to the bonus conversations, the part two of this. You get the Inner Sanctum Discord chat group. There's like 45 people in there from all around the world. Um, Stickers, other bonus content, more things, goodies, personal communication secret stuff from me all the good stuff uh join in and you'll find out what's over there at patreon.com slash mike brank go listen to part two so the reason why there's a part two i know this is a long podcast but uh danny and i got into a conversation uh for the first part and it was it's just a different podcast and then we started transitioning into something different and we pick up on that in the second part that's on patreon uh, so it's 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 kind of like two different podcasts, two different styles of, of podcasts. And uh, I think you'll really, really enjoy it as I did very much. And go to sheathunderwear.com, put in the promo code Mikeadelic and you get 20% off. They're amazingly comfortable underwear. Boxer briefs for men, they have underwear for women, they have t-shirts, sports bras. Sheath underwear is killing it. They are just taking over the entire undergarment game. They, they have moisture wicking fabric technology, dual pouches to separate all your parts down there to keep everything nice and comfortable and, and, and silky smooth and, and, and dry. 
So they're they're really amazing. I love them very much. Sheathunderwear.com, promo code Mikeadelic. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Would really appreciate that. Uh, you don't have to write anything. If you want to write something, that's really nice. I really appreciate and love everyone that does. Uh, but please uh, help support this little independent show and spread the word if you feel the word needs to be spread, if it's worthy of being spread. Much love. Appreciate everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music. And shout out to everybody who is listening to this still right now. I love all of you very much. Peace.